Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. I'm almost done right now, too. Uh, yeah, she is. Uh, and I'm, I'm really just waiting on the phone call to go pick her up and take her home. Which could come at any Good. second. Oh, they're saying they can't hear you, Sloopy. That's an improvement, then. Unfortunately, I can still hear you. Yeah. Yep, it's the same old thing. For some reason, microphone doesn't get attached to my microphone. All right, should I do all that again? Why not? Okay. Welcome to Coco Talk episode 292, where we've got all our usual uh, cast of uh, idiots. Oh, wait, that's Mad Magazine. No, it's a usual gang of idiots. I was actually about to say that, but some people get offended by that, not realizing where the reference comes from. We used to read Mad Magazine. Yeah, we Uh used to read. Yeah. I used to fold the back page. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... But yes, we uh, they put me in charge again, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll smarten up and not do it again. But you know how this, the usual gang of idiots are. So uh, let's uh, get this uh, rolling and uh, go on to our uh, uh, panel introductions. Starting in the top left, we have the hardware guru himself, Rick Uland. Hey, Rick. Oh, hey, folks. And then we go to the next line, and, oh, that's no one important. I mean, next uh, box is no one important. Then we've got the man behind the scenes that uh, 
takes care of everything, Terry Stege. Hey, it's Terry. Hey, oh, Terry. we're in big trouble if that's the case. <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah. Then we have the original news hound himself. Let's see if anyone gets that uh, reference. Uh, L. Curtis Boyle. Hey, Welcome Curtis. to the show, everyone. All right. Carriage return, line feed. We have the Apple guy himself, Marco. Hey, Mark. Hey, glad to be here. Also, uh, uh, Jason, unfortunately, uh, Kevin Holloway said he can hear you. So, oh, I'm see. sorry. <laughs> sorry about your luck. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> glad to be here, as usual. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't like it, they're more than welcome to come here and uh, do, do the hosting themselves. All right. Next uh, up is the the garage main himself, Ron Delvo. Hey. How you doing? Hey, Ron. Glad you're here. Yeah. All right. And then next we have the man whose uh, shoes that I'm trying to fill, but I'm not quite making it, Mark B. Hey, Mark B. Hello. I finally got the Christmas tree lit. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> then, and you may have to disappear shortly, too, so if, yeah. you know, nobody be panicked if that happens. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm waiting on a phone call. Yes, a phone call to bring his mother home. Yes. Uh, make sure you get that right, because we don't want people thinking the worst. I think it's from the governor, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, and then next we have... Oh, Ken. That... That game on guy that likes to torture us with these games. Hi, Ken. Hey, remember, I did not write this game this week. It was not my fault. Yeah, well, this when week. When we was... find that guy, we'll get him. Yeah, well. <laughs> every week. At least this week was better than some weeks. So, all right, then we do a, a carriage return, but without line feed this time. And the man who does all the back behind the scenes stuff. Exile in Paradise himself, Alan. Hey, Alan. Howdy, howdy, Earth. All right, and then we'd hit the uh, carriage return. Or no, we hit the uh, carriage return without a line feed all the way back over the other side. And we have Jason Rygert, the Coco Man himself. Hey, Jason. Howdy, howdy, and I've got my Coco Talk t-shirt ready to go. Okay, and when are you going to start hosting? Well, there, I think there's a certain area that needs to freeze over first. <laughs> We're way ahead of you there, Chase. <laughs> it already has. I've got pictures. Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not anywhere in Canada. I know that much. It's, uh, uh, it's a bit south of there. So. Quite possibly. Oh, oh uh, when Houston freezes over, that'll be next week. It was 39 here this morning. Oof. That's still above freezing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Almost. Now, now let's go down under to the bottom of the uh, pile, and uh, we see the man, the myth, the legend, the mi- the owner of more Ferraris than any other Coco uh, user in the world, Nick Marentes. Hey, Nick. Hey, world. How are you? Now we can. Uh, now that we've done the uh, opening credits, we can switch <coughs> straight to the closing now. Absolutely. <laughs> Goodbye, that joke everybody. Never gets Happy old. efficiency. Mm. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> so let's say a quick uh, shout out to some of our. Uh, you missed one. On. Yes, we're going to get back to him. Oh, okay. He's last for a reason. And we're going to say hello to some of our people in our uh, studio audience. Hi, Brian Walsh, uh, Fr- Frank of Retro Rewind, a uh, great person 
to satisfy all your cocoa needs. Uh, can, ma can make it. That's a tongue twister. Uh, who has uh, given us great games like uh, uh, Robot Nightmare, Nightmare Highway, and other ones I can't remember. Uh, Phantom 8-Bit, uh, Mr. Day 6309. You saw Brian Walsh's comment, he said good morning, all echoes except for Sloopy. Uh, no, I didn't that see that. third, 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 third. <laughs> and who else do we have here in our studio audience? Uh, Tom Eric Gunderson and Jim Rye and okay I can't scroll any further because that's too much like work oh and uh, Mikey hey Mikey the uh, man of Pi Drive Wire fame he likes it Hi, Mikey. Yes. and now back to our panels and uh, that one man that I forgot or didn't forget it's Brian Weisler, the man that has all the wonderful updates and acquisitions and acquisitions that we all wish we had. Hey, Brian, how you doing today? Good. Welcome to the show, everybody. And what do you have for us? Oh, we're going to jump right into me first? Yep, oh, we're okay. going to do the, as we did mentioned, we're going to do the, we actually do some planning before the show. <laughs> Not much, but we do a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Usually under five minutes before the show starts. Yes, I, uh. I uh, we, we apologize for my lack crashes. of uh, professionalism here there for you guys. So um, let's see here. I was just looking up one thing here because I wanted to have a, one little fact here ready, but uh, I will just wing with it. Okay. So the first thing I'd like to share is uh, uh, something that was kind of somebody uh, I was talking to, and he, uh, he led me to this, uh, Erico. Uh, with the um, CP400, and they recently had their uh, version of uh, Coco Fest, and uh, him and I were chatting, and uh, I asked him to put the, his ears out to see if he would find something for me, and uh, nothing appeared at the show, but then a few weeks later, they had a listing on their Facebook page, and uh, I'd like to go ahead and share that with you guys here. I haven't seen them myself yet either, so let me do this, and we'll take a look at it together. So I got this box here from the Brazilian Post. So we'll get Mr. Knife out here. His name is not Stanley, no. Oh, Stanley the Knife? <laughs> oh, Stanley. <laughs> no, I guess I'm sorry. I have not, uh, I have not named my tools. I guess maybe I have to start doing that. Like I forget what it is he's over in the UK over there. He has a the professor. Yeah, the professor guy. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, that's there, exactly but... who I was thinking. <laughs> Ooh. Two boxes in here. Let me get rid of this here, and we'll take a look here. I was very excited about this. So let's see what's inside. Bubble wrap. More packing. More foam. foam. 
Oh. Ah, CP40 joysticks. Yes. Note the color. Red. 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 And, and the green one. Hey. That's what made it so excited about getting one of these things because they come as a they have a red and a green there, kind of your left and right. And so he packed them very well. We've even got some more uh, more wrapping. This is an original. So let's uh let's get a little bit of saran wrap here to protect them. He did do a great job. Wish I could remember the guy's name. I was gonna look it up, but uh Erico pointed out to on their he had a Facebook listing there. And I reached out to him and uh we made arrangements. This would be nice because I recently re recently got a CP400, um, and it had one joystick, but I've been wanting to get get a pair. Hey, with the dollar going down, were these things under 700? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they were. <laughs> so we yeah, got the joystick and the manual in there and everything. Wow, nice! And here's is our this, red one. Uh, it, this isn't you. I like the quailing cords. I like. The I'm sorry. This isn't you unpackaging them, or is this you unpackaging them? No, that's live. <clears throat> yep, yep. This is me unpackaging them. So, okay. Yep. So yeah. So I was. These are kind of neat. These. Well, uh, which one do you uh, relate to the left or the right? Uh, I guess it really doesn't matter you, whichever one you put in there. I guess, but I, uh, I don't. You know, and I really don't know. I'd be, I'd be that would be kind of a good question though. Uh, uh, Ron is red uh, is right. Red is right there. So you know, versus left or right. Why they did the uh, red and green? I guess if they're if you have them plugged in and you just know that oh, I want to be the red joystick. I guess then there you go. So yeah. One nice thing is it's got two fire buttons too. So if you're left or right-handed, it's it's good for both. Yeah, because I believe it because uh, it is just your. It's yeah, just five well, the, the, the yep. CP400, which is a clone of the Coco One and Two, as far as the hardware goes, doesn't support two-button joysticks. So. Correct. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so they should both. Uh, there you go. So yeah. Wanted to share that with. You. I was very excited to get get the pair for my uh, for my CP four hundred. They don't is, have a they don't have a nickname, do they? For theirs, I mean, we have the Black Beauty. What do they What do they call these? Silver beauties. Silver beauties. There you go. <laughs> I was going to ask: Is that silver? Is that actually a plastic, or is that a like aluminum, or what is that made of? Yeah, it is. It is okay. plastic, and uh, it looks like a yeah. It's probably a painted plastic. You probably can't see it on the camera, but there's kind of a cream color. So it is a uh, painted plastic case. Oh, okay. they, are, they, they are serial number two. So we got uh, serial number 281. And this one here is serial number, unless it's a part number, this has 26100. I do like the shape of them. Oh, this here, had, oh, they both said 26. Okay, so this is, no, this was 28281, and this one is 26100, I'm guessing here. So, yeah, interesting. They look like they were uh, serial numbered, not printed, but with one of those. Um, what am I looking for? The, the, the thing that vibrates there. That uh, they take engraver. Right in, engraver. It looks like they're written with an engraver. Yes. You know something that they have that we don't have on our Black Beauties is those rubber feet. Yep. Look at that. They took extra time. Aren't they go. fancy? And expense. Mm. <laughs> and expense. Yep. <laughs> well, they didn't have they didn't have to worry about development costs, did they? Because uh, weren't they, uh, weren't they every, everything was cloned. So, okay. Well, I'll set those aside. Um, let's see here. I do have another unboxing, and then something else I'd like to to show you guys. A much bigger box. Wow! It's so big it won't fit on the camera. It's right? the size of Alaska. 
Uh, more packing and a little thank you for my purchase. Nice. Uh, this might give some idea what it is. Did that say pro hoarder? What's that? Did that say pro hoarder? Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. So, yes, a professional. I Brian was the pro hoarder around professional, here. <laughs> professional hoarder. There you go. <laughs> it looks like you've, you've opened the box to a. In your proclivity. Yeah, upside down. I did open upside down. I didn't want to show the shipping address of the uh, of the person there. So, okay. So yes, it's a bottom of a box. Let me turn it over. And uh, it is a a Cocoa Korean. Three in in box. Korean, Korean Cocoa Three. And let's take a look at this guy and see what kind of condition it is. I haven't opened up this one yet. So Ooh, that looks beautiful. No manuals with this one though. Can't all be that lucky. No, but it doesn't look like an RF can or anything else either with it. Or well, that's what kind of intrigued me by it because uh, I did see something that uh, I wanted to take a look at here together. If you guys you want mean, to, you mean is Abby normal somehow? Well, it's not abnormal. Let's see here. Yeah, the seal's already been broken. If you guys would uh, entertain me for a moment here, I'll take out a couple screws. Oh no, he's doing surgery live. That's right. <laughs> No, not the warranty label. Well, it's already been broken, so no, no fret there. Do a simulated burst of it. <laughs> simulated burst. No. Did you see Mark Siegel's comment about those warranty stickers? They weren't actually enforceable. Oh, they what? weren't. So this one that I've been keeping is no good. <laughs> no, it's good. It just it took not me worth four the hours to peel mine off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, got this one off of a uh, Coco that uh, it had actually had a stack of them. <laughs> so I figured if I ever needed to take in my Coco for warranty repair, I could just glue it on to whichever I needed to put it on and then just take it back. Make it plain. Now, now, this is how the Coco users lose their screws. Right? Because you pull that off and they fall everywhere and I thought they roll onto the floor. Yeah, we've, we've lost our screws long before taking the cover off. <laughs> I thought they were lost uh, lo loose a long time ago. So I saw something in the here. Get my camera. It's, it's kind of weird to sit there and look at your camera and try to move it in the right position. There we go. That an, yeah, yeah. It's you need a monitor. It's so backwards you where you think it is. <laughs> I know. You need to have uh, registration lines. There you go. That's a good idea. Yes, it did have what I thought it had in it. Candy so. upgrade. Yep. With the tandy upgrade, yeah, right. so that was so that was very cool to see that. If the your easy, room, bake, easy bake oven. That's right. If your room's <laughs> cool, it'll help you. <laughs> yes, there you go. But this is yeah, because there was this style, and then there was the um, uh, um, I'm, I get name. Yeah, there's the aftermarket one. What was another common one that uh, Tandy sold? The uh, per peripherals advantage. Didn't they sell that one as well? This tandy one did? here. Performance peripherals. Practical. Yeah, performance peripherals. Yeah, performance peripherals. Yeah, I had my. Uh, this one. And they here. had. They had two different AXX number boards that were just... No, don't take it off. No. Oh, sure. Why not? Don't oh, do it. Oh, no. No. Avoid the warranty? No. Avoid the warranty. This one's safe. You can plug it back in without it shorting out to the motherboard beneath. You should remove your keyboard first and get better yeah, access yeah. to it. Yeah, I'm just trying to get it. I may. I don't have a pliers here with but me, so I can't take it off to look at it. Is under it? Yeah, some chips if you want to see the chips. No, right on the video cam. 
Yeah, this is going to have to this, this got to stay in there for right now. So, Focus. well, did they leave what, the old what model? What's what that? model gimme does it have? Eighty six or eighty seven? Good point. This would be a eighty six. Oh man! Oh, Sparkle so, City. Some girls all have all the luck. <laughs> well, were you trying to see if they left the old memory in? Uh, I'm sure they probably didn't. I mean, it was very. Uh, it wouldn't work. Right. Mm. So that's the idea. Maybe. Yeah, this one. This one hugs really close, so it's really hard to uh, hard to see if it's uh, if it's in there or not. Let's see here. You're going to plug it in. Sure. Oh, I hear a click of the relay. So no smoke. <coughs> no smoke. Dang. So oh, let's take right. a look here, real quick. Here. I was looking for a big kapow. A big kapow. <laughs> I don't take. I don't take a lot of fear in the whole. You know, check things out first, and you know. All yeah, the that's for wimps. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. Uh, be fine. I we just dive in. Yeah, we don't show yeah. fires here. We are a fire. <laughs> Checking you things out is fire. for people that still have eyebrows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or hair. Just plugging in my uh, highly reliable. Well, looking at that ribbon. Switcheroo. Switcheroo there. So. You have a Magnavox hook to it. Do I have a Magnavox yeah. hook to it? No, but uh, let me do one thing here, gentlemen. Let's do this. Let me switch my video. Ah. And let's see Hi, what Barbie. happens. Woof. Herf, herf. Let's see what happens here. Vicky, look, a dog. My dogs agree. I'm sorry. This is taking too long. Can we move along now? No. <laughs> I, may have to do a little, I may have to do a little work on this, guys, unless I don't have something connected right. Let's see here. I didn't test it out beforehand. It's so. a good color of black. <laughs> Push the gimme chip into the socket properly. At least it's uh, not that ugly green. We should be getting yeah. a little bit of... Let's see here. Let's go yeah. like hey, Brian, it doesn't work, so you might as well just send it to me. Might as well just send it to you? Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah I need Let's an 86 gimme machine. And our viewership has gone oh, up 3,000%. Oh, oh, oh. Let's oh. see here. Oh, almost. There's a nuclear green. Ah, let's see. Yeah, but there's no lettering on it. Ooh, that's not oh, good. Oh, there you go. Yep. Birdie. Did you, um, did you move the memory board before when you were pulling at it? Nope, I uh, plugged in the HDMI cable all the way. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you better check the memory board. It's yep. not looking happy. Uh, yeah, all the unpluggable things. <clears throat> that often works. That looks Saffron. just like the Coco Saffron. 3 here on my desk. So there's no signal. How about that? There you go. There you go. But what did you change? I popped the gimme out and popped it back in. No. Yep, I that's think, all I, I did. I think Nick yeah. said that. See, we're, we're, not, we're, we're not crazy when we suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> in that short of time. What's that? In that short of time. Sure. Yeah, I just took yeah. my screwdriver and went into each corner and lifted it up and popped it right back down in there. You bet. Uh, do a print mem should be 24 something that'll be higher than that because no disc yep. oh no i guess there you're right 20, yeah sorry 24 8, 21 or something when it's disc or something i can't remember yeah a little bit lower with disc yeah you put all that memory in and all you got is 24k huh <laughs> all right unless you're <laughs> running ease of use right yeah, yes really no. there you go thanks for the commercial break <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah this uh, this segment of the show is brought to you by ease of use 
Um, okay, let's see here. Let me get myself situated because I have something I was kind of hoping to be able to... Sure, show the three guys. What's that? Show the three guys. Oh, let's hear. That's the reset with the F1? Yeah. No. No control alt. Alt control. Control alt reset. There you, there you go. go. Yep, I always There's forget that graphic. one. So. There you go. Okay, let's see here. How do I want to do this? Um, trying to do this live a little bit here. So let me set this right here. And let me switch my video again here. And I'll do one. I have one more thing to kind of show slash demonstrate potentially. Let's see here. Grab my other camera here, guys. I only have I only have two inputs on this computer, so it uh, makes it a little bit hard to switch all this HDMI around here. One time I had a Coco 3 that, uh, you know, you were looking at the cursor and it was missing uh -huh. a color. And here oh, okay. it turns out I had a bad um, transistor on the board. One of the color uh, transistors went out. Sure. And um, Paul Barton fixed it for me. I ordered oh, okay. another one. Oh, nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. But it's so just weird item, to see one color missing. <laughs> this item here, this item here is already out of the box. Um, I saw a guy make a comment on the, uh, I think it was the TRS-80 or the Tandy 1000. I think it was the Tandy 1000 Facebook page. And it's like, well, that's interesting. So I went out to eBay and did a search. And I thought he was just commenting on it because he bought one. But what he was actually referencing was the one that was out on eBay. And so... Uh, I grabbed this. I've never seen this before. It's called the Max. That's a flight sim stick or something, isn't it? Yes, it is. And so you can see here it clamps onto the front of your desk. But what was interesting about this one is that they make it for different uh, types of computers. So you got IBM, Tandy, and, and other. And I really think this is intended for the Tandy 1000 because... Yeah. And let me show you. But I'm still kind of curious, though, to see... How it might work. It might still be kind of fun to play certain types of games. Let me get it out of the box here. Well, at least it listed any important computers. Right. Now, I haven't tried this thing out yet. So you can see here, this moves in and out. And it rotates. So pulling it in, I'm assuming, is the Y-axis of a joystick equivalent. Yeah. And then the turning left and right would be the X-axis. And then you get right. two buttons. Right. I would I would not recommend playing Jumping Joey with it because it wouldn't look good. <laughs> and then you also have this right here, which is, and this is labeled as uh, throttle control. But it has two cables coming out of it, which are your DINs. Does it use two joysticks? Oh, it uses yeah. two joysticks? Okay, that's interesting. Oh, right, yeah. 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 What throttle control, I guess, separate. would need an extra axis you don't have. So yeah, that makes but it sense. Has the throttle. It has a center pin. Right, and but then also has these fire buttons here. So what I'm kind of curious, and I, like I said, I haven't tried it yet. It would be cool if the yoke in and out, and the you know rotating this would be your X and your Y, and then your fire button. So I'm hoping that we can ignore this. <laughs> and, well, that might uh, be on the second joystick port. That might be like yeah, the Y on the second on, joystick. That'll be on the second. Yeah. Yeah. That. So that's what I was kind of hoping here. So. Kind of back it to my be. little setup here, if I can. Give me one second here as we talk about this. I'm going to clamp this to the front so I can kind of hold this. I know you guys can't really see this too well because I'm going to bring... Because that <laughs> might actually work with something like Flight Sim 2, which does use both joysticks, if I remember correctly. Second here. Sorry, guys. my uh, I haven't threaded this too far. Okay. Live show. Is that what we're doing here, a live show? 
Something like that. Hmm? Okay. There Don't we worry. Go. As Exile in Paradise, Heidi pointed out, everybody yelled asparagus before the show began. So. Oh. <laughs> they know us too well. But the darndest thing is they keep showing up every week. I just don't understand it. Right? Because they're... Sure, they don't either. It's like watching a traffic accident. You just can't take your eyes off it. Or people in an (laughs) abusive relationship. They just can't leave it. Yeah, they just like abusive abuse. This is kind of the the problem here with the limited uh, desk space. The clamp is not stripped. Yeah, oh, so I don't know. Can you zoom out your camera a bit too? Because we can just yeah. see the tail end. Yeah, of it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch the video over to the Coco Three, and I'm gonna actually plug this into the Coco Three that I just unboxed. Was kind of my, uh, my plan there, but uh, this thing, yeah, it doesn't clamp on far enough. So, let's see here. Let me bring the Coco back into the picture. Don't lose your uh, keyboard spacer. Would they not fit in since they have a center post? No, it's a Coco fine. Three on the Coco Three. Oh, this co- yeah, this Coco Three. So yeah, we should be. Even all the Coco One had a six pin. Yeah, the yeah. Cocos did it. The Dragon didn't have a middle hole, right? Yeah, they have the five with the two seventy degree. Yeah, okay. but all the Cocos have a six pin, even if they don't use the sixth one. You just gotta hope that you plug those into the right ones, left and right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, we'll find out here. It won't matter until oh, it fires up a game. On the Coco One, there is a mod where you can wire in the center pin. Yeah, you do the Coco 2 also. Yeah, the jack makes it hard to do that. But yeah, it's possible. Switching, switching. I think on the Coco 2, I think it's like tied to ground or something like that. So you'd have to cut a trace or, or lift up that. Yeah, on the, on the Coco 1, the center pin is exposed. So you can cut it on the top right. of the board and bend it out and then tie right. it down. Just go to basic and type a little program to read the joysticks. Yeah, I think I probably has one saved. Let's see her here. Right. Waiting for that little skirt thing to disappear off the screen there, so I can see the diagnostics cartridge. That takes forever. Test. Let's see her. I think it was this ah, one right. here. Yep. Okay. Okay, so I'm pressing the fire button there. You can see the fire button saying right. Yep. And okay, so it looks like they're doing both the same thing. So no matter which fire button, I'm getting that. So let's rot. I'm rotating. Actually, it's changing here. between the red and the it's black box. So it's registering yeah, you both got a red and a black separate box buttons. There. Okay, so I'm rotating the yoke right now. I'm rotating it so you can see it going to zero and up to. Doesn't quite go all the way up to the. It only goes up to the twenty. So I'm going to push the yoke in and out now. Uh, no, not getting any change there. Oh, I reckon that's a this is wired like a PC joystick. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wired like sisters, like a PC, which means so, it needs the Coco joystick conversion. The you seem to have some of those, I believe. If Does I it have a red. switch? Is there a switch on the bottom, maybe, to set it? For Coco or Tandy? Nope, I don't well, see what they What they're doing here is they've only got five volts to the pot and then a wire, a wire going back to the PC, and they okay. need to have five volts and negative to the pot and a wire going back to the Okay. So it's, right. it's a little bit of a simple mod to do. So you can see here, I'm, I'm actually sliding that throttle thing up and down right now. So on the on the left there, you can see it's at zero. Y axis on, yep. on the left. Yeah, oh, that actually is doing the full range. <coughs> huh. 
So I think all the yeah, parts are here to, for a simple little pot here. I might be able to make this. Uh, might be able to make this. Uh, <coughs> make this work. Dig a little few wires and yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's a. I like the push pull real airliner stick thing. Well, there. yeah. I thought that might be kind of fun for some some of the games that are out there. You know, to be able to. Uh, Unfortunately, you might have to rewire it or make an adapter for different games so you get the right controls to the right. Inputs. Right. Only there were some kind of a switch. Something for Nightmare, <laughs> <laughs> Something for nightmare Highway. Right. So I'll, I'll play with that a little there. bit more. Maybe I can share some more again in the future um, uh, when I get a chance to play with it. But uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of show some of that to you guys live and we can kind of talk about it through it. So that was kind of fun. So, but that's all I got for you guys today. It was kind of, uh, kind of fun. Kind of fun? And yeah. That's the show, everyone. <laughs> All right, roll the credits. <laughs> but uh, thank right. you for letting me share. I actually, just a curiosity question, like I know that was more meant for flight sims or, you know, flight battle sims, etc. How common are those to find these days, if you find I, a Tandy 1000 version? Like if, uh, if Rick wanted to make an adapter for it, we wanted to patch some games to use it properly. I'm just wondering how much, how easy is it to find those things? I I haven't seen another one since I acquired this one. I do have a search on eBay to uh, to let me know, and I haven't uh, I haven't seen another one pop up or even a different version of it at all. You know, candy so one thousand. So they, they're pretty other. rare, then. It sounds like I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's too bad. I do have a question. I mean, it's the joystick uh, for the Tandy one thousand works on the Coco, right? I mean, that's because I mean yeah, I didn't have to do anything. Correct. So I, I think here, when I was kind of reading on the outside of the box, because unfortunately there's no manual with it, though, I believe it did plug into the uh, to, into the two joysticks port. But I think they may have had a driver that uh. was written to look at the ports a little differently and work just with their their flight sim program. Okay, because I mean I know that my joystick is actually the the deluxe joystick I have actually came with a one thousand because I have the one thousand with it also. Oh, okay. And it works mm -hmm. directly in 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 my in my Coco, so I would think that anything for the uh, for the Tandy One Thousand would have the the plus five and twelve hold up, uh, well, connected up to the pods. Well, well, the box said Tandy. It didn't yeah. say which Tandy. Well, yeah, no, because the, the wrong the bad Tandys have the PC style joystick connector that's rectangular. Oh, they don't have the round the fifteen. One. So I guess yeah. the round DIN is your key to it's it's good to go on. Well, and the other thing, too, is we're assuming that this thing is working correctly. So it probably it probably wouldn't hurt for me to uh, probably get a voltmeter out and do a little bit of a continuity and resistance check to see what uh, what's what. And maybe clean out the pods. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. So, you have a Tandy 1000 to even try it on there, too? I do have a 1000. <coughs> that might be worth I'd, trying, too, with some of their programs. Yep. So All right. yeah, very good. All righty. Okay. Um, Thanks, guys. I'm going to do a quick update on my own. Um, I got earphones that I can actually hear out of, so you don't have to hear echoes here. They rattle a bit in my ears, but they they work. The other you sure that's them rattling in your ears? or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when I take I them out, I don't have the rattle. I think it may be a result of the sound going directly and rattling things around inside. No, because <laughs> the, the, the cobwebs uh, cushion all the, uh, all the uh, sound. And loose parts. Cobwebs cushion the loose nuts. Yes. <laughs> the other thing is, is that I got OSHA certified. My house is now safe for a L. Curtis Boyle to uh, visit. Um, Say my, what? 
my my I've been cert OSHA certified that my house is now safe for uh, L. Curtis Boyle to visit. What's OSHA certified? OSHA, it's the uh, safety uh, standard. It's a safety, oh, uh, yeah, Oc occupational Oc safety. Occupational. Yeah, occupational safety. Oh, health OHS. Okay, I, I didn't know it by that pronunciation. So yeah, uh, yeah, my uh, soldering iron died, so my house is safe oh, for you to visit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it would have been safe anyway, as long as I don't have to touch the soldering iron, then, then yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, the parts were supposed Are to. Are you come sure today, things but... don't just burst into flame when you go near them, Curtis? Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure. I mean, I'm sitting by my Coco 3 here and it hasn't burst into flame yet, so. Well, yeah, but you don't have a soldering iron sitting beside it. No, it's in the closet. I hide it away from me so I don't touch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, and uh, so hopefully the new parts will be in today and then my house will no longer be OSHA certified, but still. All right. Uh, next on our project updates and acquisitions, uh, who wants to go next? Terry, Mark, oh, Rick? All right, Mark, go ahead. All right, so okay. I found it in the mailbox on Thursday. <coughs> and no one's, you don't know how it got there? Ooh. No. Nice. I think mm. some guy in a white, white and blue truck dropped it off. Santa. So they came in, finally, Thursday, just in time for the show. Mm. I, know, I know why they were there Thursday, because I was only staking it out Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> He's Nick. You're getting a lot of orders, <laughs> and I figure since I was ordering, I better catch up and get the zero hour too, since I missed it the last time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So this doesn't get lost. Mark Siegel said that the joystick circuits in the computers Tandy One Thousand and Coco are different, but the sticks are identical. Yes. That would make okay. sense. All right. And, uh, Terry. You had a project update. Yeah, you had a. Yeah, I can do mine, I guess. Let me hold on a second there. I just got a couple things. Um, first was this cartridge here. I don't know if that comes through. Ooh. Yeah, the Microworks SDS ADC assembler. Um, editor, assembler, monitor, etc., which was the standard until Edtasm came out, and it was actually a bit better than Edtasm. Uh, but yeah. a lot of the earliest Coco games, uh, machine language games, were developed using that software because it came out a full year before the Edtasm did. You know, Microworks think... made the um, DS sixty nine too in the same box. Yeah, I was gonna say they use that same box for the, the t digitizer. I think you're right. I, I have one. I should have brought it over here. Sorry. Boxes were hard. You got one that worked. You use it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually pretty sturdy. But anyway, I got that, and I'm trying to do some research. I'd actually like to try to program something with that. The other one I got, um, I don't really know exactly what I'm going to use it for, but I hadn't seen that before. <laughs> the Bitbanger switcher? Yeah. Yeah, that was usually used if you had a printer and a modem and you were just running off the Bitbanger, you'd you know, hook up the 25 pin to the modem and the other one to the the printer and you just switch which one you want output to. So, Jason, does that get you a little misty? <laughs> <laughs> that That's a Radio Shack project. Well, it's not, I, I'm not misty about it. I mean, <laughs> I do sell something similar that's available, but it doesn't have an off position like that I mean, one does. That does look like Ooh. those project boxes Radio Shack used to sell. 
Absolutely, yeah. We I have the Joey serial switch that does that. So but it looks like they did rub on letters on the front of it, right? All right. That, that's classic. <clears throat> All right. Um, and uh, last but not least, right? Rick. Oh yeah, I did have some things. Um, so here's the first oh. one. Why don't I fit? Am I on the real screen? On the Zoom, it doesn't fit. I've gotten too big. Somehow I'm not scaled. Well, anyway, the idea it's here... Well, yeah, it's, it's too wide on, on, on the live stream, too. So. We'll go yeah. small and stick it in the corner. Where it's there you go. Okay, there we go. So that just went back again. Windows <laughs> says, oh, no, you can't move this window. You've got to resize it or close the other apps. Or You can't just move a window. Okay, well, anyway... I finally got this project back that I've been working on. Here's a, a prototype of an audio capture board. And uh, for my usual process, I built a couple because they're always broken and I need to fix a few. And here's the finished one. What's wrong with this? It's got no stinking bodge wires. It just worked. I don't think what? this has ever happened in my entire life before. <laughs> what? There's something up. I designed it. I ordered it, it came in, and it just works. Can't you just put some faux bodge wires in? <laughs> I just put some fake wires in there. because yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now you can make bodge wires and spell out your name on there as an autograph on the board. Yeah. <laughs> you, a, you've got enough real estate there to put a real-time clock in it. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah, this, this, is a pro, this is a prototype. It's going to be a daughter board on that orchestra 180. Those uh, capacitors on the side. Be, excuse me. Those capacitors on the side—they clear the ground clamps. Oh yeah, yeah. This plugs. In, this been tested and uh, she runs and it's all good. Um, oh. So now I'm now I'm back to my original problem, which is testing the amplifiers on the Orc 80, and I was using this thing, which wasn't good enough. So I considered picking it up to this, but that's <laughs> too much. Because so your neighbors will love your testing. Stack. I don't think yeah. it'll be loud enough. So I went with these, the near-field monitors. So here's oh, my nice. new computer test equipment. I have near-field monitors and Type 1 eardrums, a little old but still working. And uh, to do the testing of the capture card, I was able to use this very high-quality function generator at a whopping 10 hertz under Disk Basic to see this wave being tracked. Hmm. So, so those are four inputs or outputs? Yeah, those are four inputs. Okay, so if you have a multi-pack on, can you have all those work? Like you read four, eight, twelve. Well, you're going to run out of CPU time somewhere along the way. The idea is just so you don't have to keep moving wires around to do four different things. So you're going to add a second CPU? No, this is just... <laughs> in, in, in the audio world, you don't want to be moving cables around in the middle of doing things. So you want to put right. it on your tables, don't touch anything. And uh, how many samples can you take at one time? I don't know. It's fascinating. But anyway, that was my Would this problem. work? I wonder if this would work with the Studio Works or whatever it was called that Oblique Triad put out. Because they had a hardware audio capture card they sold for a while, too. That was 8-bit. And oh, I don't no, know where had, it was addressed, but there the might be some was, software that supports it already is what I'm getting at. Oh, that could be. Um, the idea behind this one was it's it's new hardware. It's much more capable than the old stuff, so... It's sample and hold. You don't have to. I mean, it's just so easy to live with. So we'll see what advantages that gets us. Um, anyway, that was that's that's so, what we're doing. 
Now you're mentioning this is going to be like a daughter card for the Orc 180, so that you'll have the four voice output and input on the same. Like if you plug them in together, is that what you're saying? Or yeah. Well, so the the captures that we're making would even work on an Orc 90. You already have. Um, but presumably there'll be a lot of stuff done with the Orc 180 where you have separate. You know, like you can have game sounds on one channel and music on another channel, and not have to mix them together. And yada yada yada. And uh, then. Uh, what I was going to say. Oh, then not everyone's going to want to make captures, so I'm probably going to make the capture thing a little daughter board that you can can buy or not and plug in if you want to make your own sounds or if you just want to play something else's sounds and just get the... So sort of like the Disto Super Controller with that little daughter car, you could put like a foreign one or whatever if you wanted it, or you could just have the disc controller. Exactly, like so you don't have to buy crap you don't need and I don't have to make two different products to do one thing. And... Cool. You'd have to like Mark B's got his uh, cocoa running some lights on the floor there. <coughs> mm -hmm. No, that's just me trying to f still trying to get through the uh, box of Christmas lights. Oh, oh. we got to fix all them bulbs. <laughs> yeah, I've been about two weeks trying to go through all these strings. Oh, that's not a night light for going to the bathroom. No. So then I can finish putting the outdoor uh, Christmas lights up. So are they variable strings? <laughs> Variable. Nice. Mm. It's an array. Oh, yeah. oh, Bruce. Bruce just mentioned that the the private chat's showing up on the stream, and it is. So I just took a look. Oh, nice! Wow. <laughs> How'd you mean? Little that? behind the scenes look. <laughs> <laughs> you can see all of us trying to call asparagus all the time. So that's. Entertaining. I like to say everybody. I like to say hi to everybody watching the private chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Rick, how how is the output board coming along too? Like, like you've been working with Nick, and Nick's working on some software for it. So, um, I know it's definitely a work in progress. Still, just wondering how that's coming along. Still waiting on it, Slacker Nick to get his. Well, I've got some software. I could see if I can run it. If just bring it up, if you want, since we're talking about that card now. Um, hang uh, on, do you guys get your wires crossed because you're so far apart? <laughs> right. No, they just quantumly <laughs> entangle, and then it's all instantaneous. <laughs> Mark Siegel, by the way, while Nick's setting up here. Uh, Mark Siegel's asking, Rick, did you put a programmable timer on your Orc 180? No. No, it's 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 exactly an Orc 90 except with more voices. We didn't want to create another new vocal card that's different from all the other ones. You don't have to use the programmable uh, timer, though, but future software could. Well, there's no real need. I use the, the built-in programmable timer the standard Coco 3 one. Uh, is my screen shared? Yep. Or? yep, we're seeing it live yeah, on the stream. Oh, okay. Alright, okay. Uh, so that's the uh, the software that I'm putting together to uh, run on, on that four-port Orchestra 180. And uh, it's still very much at early stages. And uh, this is the waveform editor where you can... Uh, currently, it's got some built-in waveforms. 
it's got sine waves, uh, square waves, triangle waves, and ramp waves, waves. Um, but it will also allow for user-generated waves, where you can draw a wave any any shape you want. So you can have a custom waveform as well, or waveforms. Um, but I haven't done that part yet. And various sample rates, you just move over and select a sample rate. The highest being 22 kilohertz. 16 is the next one down. 11 and 8. Generally, all the standard sample rates I'm trying to put in there. Um, and then you can choose the DAC channel. And since um, Rick's uh, car does uh, four DACs, you can you can just select whichever one of the four DACs you want to send this particular wave to. The whole purpose of this program, though, is to ultimately you build waveforms. Uh, there will be a sample editor as well later on, where you have samples, which maybe we can take uh, recordings made with the recording part of Rick's hardware, or import a wave for uh, already made waveform. Uh, and then with those two tools, you then move to a, um, I don't know what to call it, but a composer, whereby hopefully you'll be able to then compose music and then you've put the chat, put those uh, waveforms or, or samples uh, and, you, and you sequence them up so you can make a song. Um, so basically it's like a, a mod player. But, how many, um, how many lives do you get? <laughs> you, you get you get four. When you lose four lives, you're dead. <laughs> but that's it so far, and uh, I've got the 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 user interface working uh, yesterday. So you just sort of it's all keyboard controlled. I figured I'd just keep it simple, and you can come up here. And I I don't know if I've oh, yeah. making oh, a, a ramp tone there. Yeah, I know it's pretty scratchy <coughs> the. Uh, ramp tones but if you switch to a sign it's a little bit cleaner I think yeah, but, oh, yeah I've got to check a few things and that's why can you crank it up to 22 kilohertz and see if it makes a difference or is this a pre oh, yeah no I can actually I can hear yeah. two voices there now yeah I, I, I know there's something wrong there so, um, still debugging, still debugging, but that's why I needed you to, I was asking earlier, Rick, uh, if you had a oscilloscope so we can actually see what's actually coming out. Are my sine waves actually sine waves? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, you have to shoot me a copy of this and I'll go. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I'll send you one after the show so I can see if I'm on the right track and, mm. uh, Basically, yeah, but but that's basically what this this part of the program. It's only a part of it where you you create the waveforms um, and save them or load them or whatever. Then there'll be a sample um, section where you do proper digital samples, so you can record, uh, say, a real guitar sound and have that in there as well. Um, and then ultimately, you then once you've got all your waveforms and samples and whatever else done you then compile a, a, a musical tune um, 
But anyway, this does is Rick, all. Just, does Rick have to pay five dollars every time you send him? <laughs> no, no, no. This one's, this one's free. <laughs> the headaches and frustrations are free. So it's kind of like a, a Coco version of a, a tracker, a mod tracker from the Amiga Tech thing. It with is, voices. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's being modeled uh, on the idea that the old uh, Fairlight um, music uh, synthesizer w was. So it's sort of working. I'm trying to work it to be more like that. Uh, it's not exactly the same software, but it's still, it, it, it's working with the same concepts. And the thing is that that early Fairlight was a predecessor to what became uh, Amiga mod files later. It's a similar idea. But yeah, I'm just trying to keep it old school, make it very much like a an early Fairlight, but cool. on a much smaller computer. <laughs> anyway, it's a it's a little personal uh, uh, adventure I've been doing for years. I mean, I've, I've made many attempts over the years to do something like this. This is just the final or the latest iteration of it. So, um, it's going to save off sound files, right? And play them? You, you would save them off. So, All right. Yeah. So, so um, is it going to work within uh, 512K? To yeah. Mag? Well, 512K for sure. That's what I'm doing it in at the moment. 2 meg, well, we'll see later on. You know, if the whole thing even works... <laughs> then I could uh, make it run uh, two megs later on. But yeah, it uses uh, uh, Rick's uh, four-channel orchestra 180, which is four separate 8-bit DACs. Exactly like an orchestra 80, except it's got an extra two channels. And uh, so the, the music in the end will be four, four sounds, and the fact that, that each of those channels is a separate... DAC, a physical separate DAC, means you don't have to mix them, um, which buys you a bit of speed in the software. And it's full 8-bit samples too, not 6 like the built-in DAC. They're full 8-bit samples. It's being written for a 6309 just to get more speed. So without putting any other real smarts in the hardware, but we're basically make, trying to make this into a, a super orchestra 90, you could say. That this is the point where we're at right now. When he says you don't, we don't have to mix them. It means I have to mix them. So <laughs> I'm going to so need that's to done electrically. Well, yeah, yeah but, that, but I'm yeah, going to need this test software so that I can test the mix on my actual hardware against some pretty yep. decent speakers to make sure I get all four channels balanced out, no matter how hard you're driving the various four yeah, channels. So, which is so something gonna that's going to take a little bit of mucking around. Right, so you're going to want a version of this that actually outputs um, all four channels at once. Be nice, or just something that will well, just... Well, ultimately, that's where it's going. But okay. uh, at the moment, this is like a just the waveform editor, so you're working on one at a time. But I can, I can compile it in such a way that it sends one sound to all four at the same time so that you can then balance them that way. Oh. Is this going to be something where you can compose something and then you, you record it off? On, ultimately, uh, ultimately, that is the goal, yeah. yeah okay. And actually then, compile something. 
And then you could also maybe include these sounds in a game, maybe, you know? Too much? No, no, because this thing, yeah, well, this thing's doing everything with the CPU, you know, the the CPU's running flat tack to create all those sounds, four channels at at the uh, 22 kilohertz. It's it's pretty well devoted just to doing this this music. You you could it's use it not, in a game as a splash screen, like while you're just displaying a screen and playing music while. Um, like maybe that type of yeah. Thing. I mean, there's no additional smarts in the hardware. You need something that's got its own. Um, now, process. following along with Ron's question, uh, Nick, if if you record in eight kilohertz, do you think you'd have enough CPU time to do a background sound using the oh, timer? Oh, well, maybe, that? maybe at at that level, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe. Ah, that's cool. I, I've been I've been thinking about twenty two because I'm trying to keep this as high um, high Quality, fidelity yeah. as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've only been thinking about music at this point. But yeah, you could probably do it at eight kilohertz, and it might have time. Yeah, because even like on a splash screen, you could just have it so that it monitors the PIA or something. Did you hit a key to abort that to start the game or something? Yeah, and you yeah, could actually well, run a it, pretty decent quality sound eight bit four eight bit channels at twenty two kilohertz playing music if, while you're splashing you, yeah if you had the card as well yeah but anyway it, it, this is just a little personal side project so it's I don't know if it's this will be a uh, a, a major Nick Morenti's release the latest Ferrari grabbing product <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to be anything like that this is just something I've always wanted to do so now that I found um, a sucker, I mean Rick. That uh, I was, was just going to say, somehow you managed to suck Rick into this too. So, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I had to make five of them, so I've still got three more I can sell prototypes. Anyone want to sound capture software? Boy. Yeah, if it's like Studio Works by Bleak, I mean they. I can't remember if they yeah. did stereo if they just did mono, but it was a full eight. But it was a hardware sound sampler, and they had a pretty fancy front end for doing it, doing a lot of this type of stuff too. Um, yeah, and well, it was meant more it, for developers. Like, you want to create sound effects for your games, you'd record them at full 8-bit, and then you could downsample the 6 to output on a game in the Cocoa, for you example. You could, but... Yeah, but my, my goal is to, to basically make a mini version of the Fairlight synthesizer with the Cocoa. So... Don't you and, think and, and, Daniel would would love to have this thing? When yeah, he would. Back? He would, actually. He would. He'd, he'd love this, because he's right into Fairlights, of course, himself. Um... Uh, but it's it's been a that's uh, sorry yeah. yeah um so um it's uh just a personal project i've always been interested in the fairlight um and i've always wanted to do the music and of course i know nothing about music so this is a, quite an uphill battle for me but over the years i learn a little bit more each time and hopefully that this program will sh- actually show that i've actually learned something along the way <laughs> so, is there anything like this in the other uh, computers? Uh, hardware uh, they're, they're, around? Uh, Hold on, we're there running. are other music programs, like the Amiga does have it, uh, for example. But I, I want to do one on the Coco, you know, and I want to do it the I way. I think we're off the, the air. Yeah. Hello, anybody hear me? <laughs> yeah, Hello? I can yeah. hear you. Yeah, we anybody, are red. Anybody? Yeah, we're at red. Yeah. We're at zero. It's uh, it's just swirling around on YouTube right now. Just there, it's back up on uh, Twitch. All right, we're green again. Yep, back to life. All right. Okay, we're back. Sorry to put everyone to sleep. That <laughs> was so bad you put the internet to sleep there yeah. and stopped That's the right. Right. Yeah. Every time you <laughs> mention Amiga, it went off. <laughs> yeah. It went off. <laughs> 
I, I think anyway, the internet just then, called asparagus. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Now this is this is a basic program. I can actually list it. So the only part that's machine code at the moment is the actual play routine, which has to be machine language. But it's a it's a basic program. It's uh, it's not uh, anything fancy. So um, everybody, get your screen grabs and go ahead and key that in by hand later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that that that's what the software is, and I'll I'll send it to you after the show, Rick, and you can tell me if I'm I'm on the right track. No, Rick saw that uh, listing, and he's already filled it in on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> he's real nifty, quick. <laughs> and in about 10 minutes or so there'll be an MC10 version yeah <laughs> so if Simon was watching yeah cool well thanks for the update from both of you I guess and thanks from everybody else who yeah, did that updates an unplanned for one <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that's all the updates we had did anybody else have any project updates and acquisitions I, I, I could throw in one acquisition here real quick okay go ahead Jason okay and uh, see here, we get the. Oh. Oh, hey, oh, it's the right way up too. Oh, let me let me correct that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Actually, I, I got mine today, uh, yesterday as well. So oh, it took, I, it took uh, three weeks, but. Oh, there you go. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And you Good still stuff. got the shrink wrap. It does, mm-hmm. yes, because I have the digital copy of, uh, of every everything that's in here. Yeah, well, th- there's probably no need to. Yeah, uh, there's really no need because it has what it has rally rally SG, and and pipes, pipes. along with Jumpin' Joey. So it, it's it's a it's so a, you just keep that so that you can sell it in ten years for for uh, so, half a million dollars. So today's t- with today's entertainment cost. This is a real bar. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have that new game smell? <laughs> um, plastic. <laughs> yes, That's all it I does. But, <laughs> but is it Australian plastic? No, because it came from the U.S. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But, but we don't have to tell everyone that. Um, well, it's got it's got the Australian flag. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a genuine kangaroo, cartoon kangaroo. Yeah. Genuine. <laughs> Genuine cartoon, yeah. Mm. All right. Genuine imitation leather. <laughs> I'm Corinthian leather. Mm. All right. I'm no gonna... kangaroos were killed during the making of this game. <laughs> the I'm... playing it, oh my God. Many many were killed during the playing. <laughs> that's right, during the gameplay. And that's a perfect segue to go into the game on results, I think. <laughs> there we go. Well, and, and instead of a uh, uh, a high score list, we're going to have a uh, deceased list. How many died playing it? Yeah. Oh well, then I would have won that one. <laughs> Go ahead, Sloopy. And Sloopy to you. Oh no, I'm just a host. Nothing special. No, what I was exactly, going to say, like normal, say was now that it's it's still the beginning of the show. So I wanted to uh, to do another. Um, uh, product update that so that everyone knows that the show is going to be changing in the new year starting uh, January 7th and we're trying to get this information out as much as possible that not only is the show changing 
and from Coco Talk to Coco Nation. But the time will be changing from 1 p.m. Eastern on the Coco Talk to 2 p.m. Eastern U.S. time for Coco Nation. Wait, what? And also channels will be changing uh, for where yes. you're going to be viewing and watching it. Yes. We're already streaming on the Coco Nation channels, which you can see the uh, links here in the uh, in in the uh, in Description. the chat. Yeah. Well, in the chat, the uh, links for the new Coco Nation, uh, uh, the Twitch, the YouTube, the uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yes. And there's other social media sites too that I'm not very familiar with, and so. But I just wanted to uh, make sure that everyone's uh, updated that the show will start at 2 p.m. Uh, U.S. Uh, East Eastern U.S. time. Ah, oh, so I can sleep in. That, that, yeah, I get an, an extra hour of sleep. Cool. Yep. Now, one thing I do want to mention, uh, since we are live casting on both the old channels right now and on the new ones, if people can kind of switch over to the new ones now, even though we have another show remaining that's still officially Cocoa Talk, um, you guys can get your channel feeds switched over so you're ready ready to go on, in January. So the next show next week will still be on all of them. But please switch over now so you don't forget and miss well, the show. Please switch over right now. We'll yes. wait. Yes. yes. We'll <laughs> wait. Go ahead and do it right now. We'll, we'll monitor their viewers, and we'll continue the show after everyone switches to the new channel, right? Yes. Go ahead, right now. <laughs> right now. Now. And for those that have problems with time time zones and such, on if you live on the west coast of the United States, the show will start at 11 a.m. instead of 10 a.m. So, so you'll be able to sleep in an extra hour. Yeah, so, Mikey just hey. commented on that in the chat here. He said, uh, yay, 10 a.m. PST is just too early. I can get most of my housework done before the show now. Yes. Yeah, oh, then he avoid. naps during the news anyway. So yeah. It'll now be I a... have enough time that I can do everything on Saturday morning rather than doing a Friday night for the game on stuff. Yeah. Like picking hey, the game. Hey, <laughs> hey Sloopy. <laughs> yes. Can I really quick show something? Uh, it kind of relates to this. Sure. Let me. Is it, see is it a I... clock? <laughs> yeah, real time. <laughs> oh, then it's not Oops. on the cocoa. So. We kind of put out on the new Facebook group that we were looking at uh, doing some different logos. And we've had some submissions, so I thought maybe I would just uh, show you just a sampling of those. Um, <coughs> if anybody's got any ideas for logos and media for the new show, please upload them. Um, but I'll really quick here. Is that showing up for you guys? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Ron Delvo sent in a couple, but... Uh, this is one that he'd sent in that we're kind of using right now. Um, we, we would like to do a vote on who, you know, which one's uh, going to win and all those type of things. But that's one of Ron's. Um, Alan's daughter, um, she's a graphics artist. She also sent in this one. And she's got a couple other versions of this. But um, this one actually looked pretty good on the black background. So I put that on there. Um Mark Siegel send in this one and a video as well. Um, let's see. Paul Shoemaker just this morning sent this version in. Um, kind of as a background, we would uh, you know, we'll want to add a couple things to that if, uh, you know, as far as the, the logo or the I guess the wording of the show. But 
I wanted I like to show that one. And then lastly, Ron had done I like that one. kind of a banner um, as well. So, And I think we can actually use several of these for different purposes. Yeah. You can use them for splash screens on yeah. pages. You can put them on you know, headers for you know, discussions. Exactly. Like, at, the very, at the very least, Is I'd that... like to put these on the uh, in the slideshow. I'd like, to, I'd like to put all of them in the slideshow yeah. at least. Yeah, I'd vote on we steal them all and run. On that last one, <laughs> on that last one, is that Coco? Is that Coco three just uh, pixelated, or is it rendered on a Coco? Shoemaker, Paul Shoemaker's one. Uh, yeah, the one that's like on the screen now. Yeah, it doesn't that it, still here? That's, it doesn't have. Wrong. Yeah, it doesn't have the uh, the artifacts you usually see in a uh, low resolution image blown up. It almost looks like it was actually rendered on a uh, on a Coco. Uh, and he sent in some sample ones, and I just snipped them. So it could be just from me. Do well, I don't know. The other stuff looks pretty clear. Yeah, I, like, I don't think Ron's on. Yeah, but I do like the way that looks, where it actually looks like it's being displayed on a Coco, as opposed to a high resolution image. Oh, cool. Ooh, a Coco on a Coco. Yes. I only comment like the. That one, Mark Siegel's, the nation yeah. could be a little bit lighter blue. It gets lost in like on Facebook. Yeah, so. I, I, I like I like that one with the uh, planet there, but uh, yeah, maybe the text needs to be uh, changed. But that I do is. like the the planet it, because it, it, it feels a nice like circle. a nation. Yeah, when it when so, it yeah. ends up on Facebook, it's a nice circle and everything. But nation kind of gets lost because it's too dark for both. Yeah. I think that yeah, font is too crazy too seventies. Yeah, the font is like seventies. If if we could get, if it was more of an eighties font, I think that'd be okay. But that looks more <laughs> that more that looks more like late sixty, early seventy. That looks like something well, you see Peter on Laugh In. Man, <laughs> I think it's the Laugh In pixel. There's a pixel just out of place. So I think that needs to be fixed as well. It's got lens flare and everything. <laughs> I, I thought that was on. I thought that was just a, at something on my screen. I was trying to clean off. Oh, hang on. Oh, that's a bit of spit on my screen. Yes. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> hey, I I did see in the chat that uh, Paul Shoemaker said he is working on the Coco Nation part right now. So uh, that would be for this image I've got listed up. So yeah. Yeah. I really like that image. Yeah, thank you guys really to everybody who's been uh, submitting these and keep them coming. Um, I'll I'll uh, try to host uh, these images uh, for a while, and then we will have a poll up for what would be the primary image or two. And then, like you guys said, I, I would love if we could just you know kind of have them throughout the show and, and different platforms that we have. So, thank you for everybody. All the hard yeah, because we can use them for like contest headers. Uh, like, oh yeah, you know, I like suggested the, uh, like programming contests. At Coco Fest, that Bruce Moore's mentioned, this one here right now would be perfect because it covers all the machines you'd be writing for. It. Exactly. It looks very low res, though. It's uh, yeah. Well, that's the point. I, I, <laughs> I think. Yeah. It, it, it has everything on it, but the show name, which he's working. On. He is I working. like the artwork though. The second one uh, on the left. Um, maybe we can combine that artwork with the, uh, well, with all of them. Maybe maybe we can have a a blue planet with a. Our little Coco cartoon, and then the words Coco Nation, whatever, on the screen, like a com combine it. So, Terry, can you transfer all those over to the Discord? Yes, I've Into got most of them folder. except for Paul just uploaded his, but I will get those all over there. Okay, uh, I'd like to at least include them in the, in the slideshow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Also, a reminder to everybody uh, listening and watching, too, is that the Discord is not changing. Uh, we're just changing the title of some of the channels to reflect the name change for the show, but the same place you go for the Discord for the Coco stuff is not changing at all. And we'll get the links um, for all the new places. I think maybe we'll add those to the description. I know uh, Alan's been adding them in the, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call it, the YouTube one, but we'll uh, we'll try to get that a little more available to everyone because it's we're now on Twitter as well, which we haven't been before, and um, just a few new things. So thanks for all your hard work, guys. And, 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 thanks for everybody making trying, suggestions and submissions. And, thank and you we're trying for to improve yours. this show uh, by getting rid of David Ladd, what we, like what we did today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Why, what no. do you mean? <laughs> we're not getting. <laughs> We're not getting rid of David Ladd. We're going to be uh, featuring him. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, no. That's yeah. it. I'm switching to another show. <laughs> You're switching the to Coco Nation. Nation. Yeah, now, now, now with 20% more David Ladd. Yeah. Okay. No, nah, seriously. It's, it's just not the same without David Ladd. So I hope he's back next week. I'd, I'd also shout out to Grant. Um, I know he just had surgery and he's recovering, but I want to thank him for all his work. He's been... A pretty instrumental getting a lot of these uh, the financial side of this done. So thanks, thanks to Grant as well, and get well. Yeah, where is he? I mean, I thought he was supposed to be here. He's probably on drugs. We don't want him here right now. <laughs> what do you mean we don't want him here? You mean he's on prescription painkillers prescribed by his physician just to yeah. be just to be clear. <laughs> I was going to say, does that, does that, do those drugs come with hookers too? <laughs> no, just blackjack. Ah, okay. Sorry, right. sorry to interrupt there, Sloopy, but I wanted, uh, I thought that was a good, good time to add those. Yep. So thanks again, everybody. Good. And th thank you, Terry, for all that you do behind the scenes. I mean, a lot of people don't know it, but you do a lot behind the scenes um, for this transition from Coco Talk to Coco Nation. And you don't get the thanks that you deserve, and I want to make sure that it gets out there and that people know all the work that you're doing behind the scenes. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. But it it's uh, all you guys. I'm just one little cog. I'm the broken cog. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we, we are the ones that are seen, but you're one of the people, you and, uh, and um, Exile in Paradise, Alan Murphy, um, both Grant. of you. Yeah, Grant, uh, Grant Leedy. All of you are actually doing a lot behind the scenes that's not seen on the show. And it's because of the work of people like you that allows people like me to host and Curtis to do news and Ken uh, Waters to do the, the uh, Game On uh, segment and all that. It's because of your foundation that we're able to do this show. And I just want to make Sorry. sure that, you, that all of you are... are are recognized for your work and and we appreciate and thank you for for the time you put into it and you guys even support nick's ferraris because you keep buying his stuff so thank you for that too <laughs> so what you're saying is blame, blame terry <laughs> yeah that's probably it i would also say mark too there he's he's been instrumental in a lot of this so yeah thank you guys so, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, Apple's taking credit for everything. <laughs> uh, okay. Are we ready to go into the game on section? Yeah, I okay. think so. All right. Uh, let's buy Nick another Ferrari. Let's push this button. 
well, since we all can't own one, we might as well just have one person own it instead of none, no one owning it. Share screen. That would be the wrong uh, results video. Well, just in case anyone was wondering about last week's game on results and you missed it, there it was <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> just in case you missed last week, here's the, the results from last week. Previously yes, on the Game awesome. On Challenge. Do you want me to just play stare it locally, Loopy? Okay. Ken, you weren't kidding about playing the same game multiple weeks. and we will see you again next week apparently no audio came through on the uh yeah i just checked video. it wasn't coming through really it was showing my uh, the thing going up hmm at least at least that chart is actually visual as well but uh, for the yeah, audio listeners they won't have so, a clue what uh, anybody said just for the um audio only listeners you had to actually read the high score thing there hmm <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what its issue was. Um, oh, well, we saw it. Um, yeah, because a lot of you, uh, you didn't hear it, but uh, Buck Owens being at the very bottom of the pile there, that was the only screenshot he uh, put in. So we know that he played a lot better than that, but 
<laughs> the that was, yeah, for the audio listeners, of course, didn't see any of that chart. You might as well just say who the winner was. And, um, oh, crap. Brian Walsh, was it? I don't have it in front of me. Yes, Brian <laughs> Walsh. Uh, yeah, so Brian Walsh was the number one with a score of 16,440. And, on a and side, there were 25 people 25 yeah. people that uh, played this week. And on a side note, Paul Shoemaker, stop bragging. Continue. <laughs> um, okay, so, as I was saying, um, this, well, I guess you didn't hear it in the uh, video, but I did say this was a brand new game by Nick Morantes. So no matter how many old... Uh, magazines I went through I could not find any reviews for it so <laughs> <laughs> then you didn't look hard enough well there will be a review coming on the Coco show by the Amigos there coming up soon yeah. so because I saw uh, several reviews uh, Thursday <laughs> Fing- no you're confusing finger gestures <laughs> those are reviews <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they and were also, two, two two fingers up. And they were and they <laughs> for, were telling you, Nick, that it was their number one game. <laughs> for those of us that will never get to the higher levels on this game, um, this is Buck Owens actually playing um on the higher levels, just so we can see what they're like. So, uh this game was obviously a version of Frogger, except that uh you're playing with a kangaroo, so it actually makes sense when you fall in the water and die. Um and it has an extra level. And it has an extra level with uh sheep and cows. Which is interesting on the right now if right you're watching now. the video. Yeah. yeah so that you're running through a stockyard. I don't know how many Joey uh, be able kangaroos. To jump over the fence. How many kangaroos in Australia actually run through stockyards, Nick? It's a baby kangaroo. (laughs) There are quite a few. (laughs) It's a baby kangaroo. He can't jump as high. It's a really tall fence. You're looking from the top down, so you can't tell. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And there's background music, which uh, you don't see in the video. No, uh, there's two-voice background music, which is really good. Some Australian tunes. So, uh... Almost ACDC, not right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually could stand to listen to this one for a little bit before I turn the audio off. So, Actually, that's a good thing. I want to question, actually, because I talked to, to Bode a little bit, and uh, he's one of those people that really likes having the background music on a game. He never shuts it off, and I know Buck doesn't shut it off either. So how many people here would shut the music off, and how many would keep it on while playing a game? It doesn't have to be just this one, but in general. I generally shut it off myself after a little bit, after a little while. Leave it on, but maybe turn it down. Uh, me personally, it's it doesn't matter because after I'm playing for a little while, I don't hear it at all. I usually turn it off because I usually have the sound loud enough that it annoys other people, so I get yelled at to turn it off. And Like I myself, I, I always leave the, the music on because I jump between games. I don't play the same game for like a week straight where I would get sick of it. But you, you might have a gaming session where you play like Donkey King and then you switch over to Jump and Joy or something like that. So <clears throat> as long as I, you know, switching between games that have different music tracks, for me, that's part of the gameplay. And I think Bolt's the same way because they review games on you know dozens and dozens of platforms that uh, they just leave the music on because that's part of the unique flavor of the game. 
So I was kind of curious. When I initially play a game, I'll definitely listen to the music and keep the music going. But, you know, after a while, <laughs> I just shut it off because well, generally, the, the like, music. it's not, not really a problem with this game, but usually it's so such a short, repetitive amount on these old 8-bit systems that uh, of music that it gets grading after a little bit. Now, well, in, in Nick's the, case here, he's actually got three different tunes for each of the sub-levels, and he's also yeah. got the auto-volume turns down yeah, after a it, certain it, amount of time. Yeah, it does uh, lower the volume more, um, after the first run of the tune. So, yeah, it's a bit more bearable. <laughs> but you can switch it off. That letter M at the bottom center of the screen, that tells you the music mode. So if it's a blue M, like it is there now, the music is on. Uh, when you press the M key on the keyboard uh, during <coughs> during gameplay, it goes red and turns off the music. So it's a it's a music volume indicator that one. Oh, I thought that was a strong grade. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, it's telling you music is on or off. And another oh, question for oh, the people that played right. it. Oh, go ahead, Nick. You don't read the manual. I forgot about that. And another thing uh, too is that. Uh, that Nick has not usually done in most of his games is that this has the option of keyboard or joystick control. And I was curious as to everybody on the panel that I participate or even the chat, which way did you play? Did you play with keyboard controls or with joystick controls? I went with keyboard controls for sure. I much prefer it over the joystick. Keyboard. On the real hardware, I used keyboard. I, I used did. joystick, but uh, I did <sighs> play with keyboard a bit and... And do you use the guess, uh, the cluster Coco three cluster arrows, or do you use the uh, Coco two layout? I use Coco, Coco two layout. layout. I use yeah. the cluster. I use the control and alt. Yeah, that's what I used. But I think the reason that I like using the joystick is because sitting in front of my computer here playing, I I always lean back in my chair to play, like get nice and comfortable. And it would be hard to reach out and actually use the keyboard from that position. So, yeah. In the chat, there, uh, Buck said he used the keyboard too, and he's the master. So that's what everybody else should be following, I think. <laughs> and then uh, JB Lars uses the joystick. Well, it well, just I think... seemed to me that the keyboard controls were more responsive, but that may just be my imagination. Um, it was easy they... to accidentally double jump with the joystick. So definitely, the Black Beauty did not work at all for this game. Oh no no no! Free floating is uh is no good. That's a challenge. Um, yeah, uh, keyboard should be a little bit more responsive because um, the joystick uses the the same DAC that's being used to the to generate the music as well. So this game does pretty well flog the DAC pretty hard to create music, to create sound effects, to create joystick reads as well. So, hence why the joystick probably is slightly less responsive because of that. And Buck being a uh, robot himself, um, being a robot, directly tied yeah. into the computer would be he would want to use the more responsive thing. Yeah, he, he just uh, he just jacks in a, a into a plug in the back of his brain. Actually, Buck in the chat said he used a split arrows version as well, the alt control version, which is the proper way to play yeah. it. And they say also the black booty, beauty is a hoot in this game, which is the most sarcastic comment I think I've ever seen him say. <laughs> oh, look at those logs go. Woo -hoo. 
Scott Cooper also chimes in. He says, I never turn off the music for games. Grew up playing Nintendo with lots of background music. I use keyboard more than I use joystick for most games. So I think one thing that uh, you'll have found if you uh, did try this game, it's a little bit harder than most versions of Frogger. Um, I think you start out like the cars are going a bit faster and stuff in the river is moving <coughs> a bit faster. Did anybody yeah, else find I, I, I didn't or? find it harder than the actual Frogger from the arcade. I found it about the same myself, nah. personally. But. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a little bit much. harder myself, but... Once I got used to it, I guess maybe not, but. Well, it certainly is lower res than the uh, arcade. Um, the Coco can't do the, the same color and res. Yeah. But uh, But it's nice and colorful. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, that's my motto put the color back into the color computer. And you're, you're a bit more forgiving than Frogger on, like, when you're jumping into the final uh, slots on the top of the third oh, yeah. screen there. I, I made it almost automatic, yeah. I figured, because I always found uh, that annoying in the even in the original, that you go so far only to miss to miss going into the um, the, the hutch or whatever it is at the, at the very end, or to have difficulty getting it in. I figured, well, I'll just make it automatically. If you look carefully now, when he when he goes in even if he goes a bit crooked you watch this let's see if he goes for the bonus yeah notice it yeah. was a bit to the left and then it pushed it to the right for you automatically definitely so, yeah, more I, forgiving I, yeah it's a bit more forgiving and even when getting collisions as well the uh, objects can touch you so a bit so there's a bit of leniency there Every time the, the, the idea is not to, not to make the game frustrating or or less frustrating <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's not pixel perfect yeah that's it it's yeah this game wasn't frustrating at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> well for, compared to other Nick Morenti's games right yeah yeah it's all relative <laughs> Yeah, they don't have to worry about. See, uh, yeah. yeah, they don't have to worry about repaving the road anytime soon. I repaved it in kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nick, I, I think you should you should uh, confront the uh, elephant in the room here about another bug discovered late. <laughs> yeah, there was actually, and uh, this bug uh, wasn't there originally. It's when I was tr must have been when I was. Tr uh, well, as everyone knows, um, there was a bug that I fixed in. Uh, in a version 1.1 and got out to everyone. But in the process of fixing that bug, I introduced another bug. So that's the sign of a real programmer. Fix <laughs> one thing, break another. So It's actually another bug. bug that we'll we'll see in a minute or two here if we uh, keep watching this video. Yeah, it's, uh, well, uh, uh, more than a minute, but um, it's level six. If you get well, to he's level on five six, right now, isn't it hangs. He? He's three. on three. Oh, he's only three. on three. Okay, I guess i got to fast-forward yeah. this a bit. Yeah, so now you're on five. When he completes level five, it hangs. Uh, I, I must have done something and I've wrecked something. So, yeah. Real programmer. 
Yeah, because basically once you complete level five, it starts to draw the screen for level six and then just freezes, if I understand yeah. correctly. Yeah. So, uh, and only I'll one person's it. ever actually seen this only in real life. Only one person's <laughs> actually done it. Yeah, that Buck Owens. I've seen so it. So I figured... I've seen it. I watched yeah. this video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you watch the video, but no one's going to be able to play uh, unless you're a robot like uh, Buck. But I, well, I, I will give it. Give me three or four months. I might get that good. <laughs> I'll have it fixed by then anyway, so then... Uh, <laughs> so it's just like uh, when you buy a car... The first year of the car that comes out, you wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, in the video games here, you buy these immediately from uh, Nick so that you have the uh, flawed version, which is going to be worth more money in the future. <laughs> well, the CD, uh, the C- if you bought a CD, you do get the older version. So level six does work in, in that one. This is a It's got the gimme bug in it, though. It's got another, well, yeah. So this is a modern game. The day one patch is the size of the original game. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Except at least we measure these games in K, not in gigs. Yeah, it doesn't take an hour to download the uh, update as soon as you plug this game in. I like Buck's comment in the the chat, too. He says, man, that streamer's internet sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Just in a couple of years, Ryan Weasler will have uh, all seven versions. Yeah, it's not mine. That's Ken. Actually, I think it was Buck's original stream. I think stream, it's, the it source, it's the original yeah. source stream. It might be helped all along with my crappy internet, but... So here we are. We're about to get the level 6 bug. The kill screen, mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah. Okay. And he, he's there. Gets his bonus. And notice the score is a little higher than the 200 he posted. And this is the kill screen. Yeah. Neat. Like I said, I fixed one, created another. That would make it easy to cross. So it switches <laughs> to crossing a road. I'm a real programmer. Yeah, that's the, the night. That's the night road. Where's the headlines? I mean, with that kind of skill, Nick, you should be instantly hireable by Microsoft, I'm figuring. Leave the yeah, button in there right. and just add like a thousand points for getting to that screen. Yeah. By the way, so you, Nick, you are I planning on doing an update to fix that, so we'll... Yeah, I haven't done it yet because I've been a bit busy with other things, and I figured oh, this is only just for one person anyway, so... Yeah, you, so you can just send that out to Nick. Buck Owens and be done with it. <laughs> you were saying that once you get to level six, then that is as hard as the game is going to get. It just it keeps was, repeating yeah, level six after that. It, it would repeat six basically after that. It would it would still be it would be seven, eight, nine, but they're yeah. all the same as six. Yeah, okay. because six six is hard. Everything goes real fast. So he he wouldn't have lasted long anyway, even if he he did get into six. I don't know I'm about that, Nick, because when you were originally getting this play tested, you I predicted know, yeah. that nobody would even make it to level six, and then Buck. Yeah, I'm actually no interested to ask Buck in the uh, in the audience there that um, did he make it to level six before Nick broke it? Uh, he, and if so, did, how yeah. uh, how well did you do on level six? Uh, he, he was dead um, pretty soon. He, he never made it to seven, that's for sure. But he did get into six. 
Do you ever have uh, thoughts of maybe making uh, you know level seven like impossible? You know, <laughs> uh, it pretty well is. Uh, not impossible, <laughs> but it's so hard. Yeah, you can pretty well say it's impossible. Level four is impossible. Yeah, Buck just commented. He said stockyard level six is nuts. That's an exact quote. Yeah, it's a stampede. So, any yep. any tips or tricks, I guess, for playing it? Obviously, uh, don't go to level six because the game will crash. So, you want to avoid okay, that. Okay, my 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 tip. <laughs> don't don't die. Getting a, getting a decent score. My tip is on the first level when it's the easiest. Farm the bonus uh, dots yep. on the water screen. Because you yeah. have time, you're going to get a lot more points jumping back and forth to pick up the bonuses than you are to uh, finishing getting your uh, Joey up into <coughs> the home quicker. Yeah. One thing I would mention, and Nick mentioned it a little bit earlier too, is that the collision detection is quite friendly to the player. So you can, like, say, jump behind something where you actually touch it on the way up, where normally you'd think you would die. You can actually just skirt past. I use that in the stockyard screen quite a bit. Yeah, me too. And use keyboard. I think it's more exacting than the joystick personally, but that's you know personal preference. And split keys, of course, like the cook one. Unless you're lying back in a reclining chair and trying to be comfortable. <laughs> then you need a joystick. Yeah. yeah there's much more advantage using pet, pet, um, Rick Ewan's board compared to a stock Cocoa board, you know, for the keyboard. If you were to use a keyboard. Oh, yeah. Uh no, it makes the same, really. Because he's got, Coco, a, Coco, he's got the fix program, are, don't you? Yeah, he's got it so you can use the up and down arrows or the alt control in a Coco 3. You can use both. You can switch whenever you yeah. want. You don't even have to do anything different. So they, on what they're all want. simultaneously active. Okay. So one of the things I did try to do in this game is to try to cater for as many people as possible. Not only making it run on as many Cocos, Coco 1, 2, 3, Dragon, uh, emulators and all that, but also for the different game uh, preferences, like some people prefer the diamond keys of a Coco 3, some prefer the Coco 2 layout. Um, if you have a Coco 3, you can still use a Coco 2 layout then, uh, joystick, so I tried to cater for everything in this game. Except for level six. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, a good game, and it's a really good deal with you if you yeah. buy the uh, the DVD version of it here, because uh, you get three games in one. So, yep, and all three are excellent games that I do highly recommend. And they're well, all that's my entire that yeah, that's my entire semi graphics collection. So all three games that I've done in the last whatever it was, a year or two years which were for Coco 1 and 2 and 3 and Dragon. Yeah, if you uh, want to zoom me up here for the video audience here, I've got the uh, back of the case here, which has screenshots of all three, so you can see what you're getting in that, that triple pack. So, so we've actually, of, we have all played all three as uh, Game On Challenges, so... Color goodness. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the three games you get all combined into one pack, so it's a really good deal. And, and Nick, so I expect the check in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> so that's if you buy the CD. The games are available individually as a, as a download, and it comes to a little bit more than the CD. I think they're eight, roughly $8 each. 
Uh, yeah, this is a case. Download. If you've not gotten any of Nick's games before, it's worth getting the DVD package. I mean, he'll email you the, the game ahead of time so you don't have to wait. But uh, it's actually cheaper to get the package with all three on physical media than it is to get the three individual digital downloads. So if you don't have them already, it's this is a really good deal for Christmas, I would say. With now, what? I was oh, yeah. I was wondering when Nick was going to hold up the EOU package. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got this trash can to the side, you see. And that's where he puts it <laughs> that's in storage. It. That's the so it's actually sign of one of the things. Uh, one of the interesting things that Scott Cooper just uh, brought up in the chat is that he misses getting points for just moving the joey around. But with Nick's, you only get points for moving forward. Well, that's you how Frogger was. Yeah, and you can't get points for moving back and then forward again. No. So you can only have a set number of movement points you get each level. You can't just run and back and forth along the bottom yeah. like we have in some of the other Frogger games we've played and rack up points. Well, the, you, you do get a bonus actual, for your timer, though, so the faster you get... You do, yeah, the faster yeah. you get, yeah. But the, the original Frogger was the same. You only get points when moving forward. Hey, Nick, have you ever considered, like, uh, making a game that has games in it? Like, um, since we have a lot of memory now... Like uh, zero, zero Hour? Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could link games together. Yeah, zero hour. Or Rupert Rhythm and zero hour. Play it uh, all well, the way well, Rupert Rhythm is more, it's the same gameplay, yeah. just different layouts, but with zero hour, yeah. you have completely, you have like a casino in one level, and you have like, you know, elevators in another, like they're, they're quite different. But it's a good so way to link them together that your guy gets to practice by playing Rupert Rhythm, and then he has to go save the world on I zero think- hour. Yeah, I think what Ron's saying is to put like complete like Pac-Man on one game, Space Invaders on another game, mini game. Yeah. Oh, have Joey wind up on uh, Nightmare Highway? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or add in add into something like Zero Hour little uh, arcade games at the bottom that you could take a break and just go play like Jumping Joey. Yeah. And then you could have Roadkill uh, game after. Oh, or you could just run uh, oh, it's, uh, Nitrous 9 and, and then just pick any game you want. Yeah, just double-click, launch it, and if you get tired, switch That's back. That's right, there's your game, and then you multitask. You can just jump between games then. Or run a couple of them and just hit clear to go between them as you're playing. So. Well, you could, yeah, you could, yeah. play, you could play Kron. <laughs> no. Yeah, the Tron clones. I mean, that's four fairly unique different games, too. So yeah, right, yeah, guys. yeah, that's right. As Buck Owens is saying, Poltergeist. Yep. I'm gonna write yeah, game. Poltergeist. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, there's a few of them like that. Okay, well, have we uh, stroked Nick's ego enough for today? Not, not for him, but for everybody else, I'm sure we have. Yeah. Just, well, hang on, just a little bit more. Up, oh, that's enough. Okay. Well, what, what, what's the website you get this Jumpin' Joey from in these value these these semi graphics value pack? The what the the website where we can find all these wonderful yeah, what, games? Oh, okay. Uh, well, www.nickmarentes, or one word, uh, .com takes you to uh, to my website, links you to all my games. And they're and, not uh, all games that you have to purchase. There are some that are uh, free to download on there. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll fix that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy oh, needs sorry. a new Ferrari. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that. Up. I shouldn't have mentioned that. Up. <laughs> oh, website flips upright when you uh, go there. 
until they get you started, and then they uh, and then he starts charging. You know, <laughs> gives a little bit away for free, like Gem Hunter. Just just wait for that subscription model to start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've uh, I've uh, I've got plans for another game, um, which I'll probably start early next year. I won't say what it is. I'm looking forward to it. Something a bit different to the norm. Uh, and I don't know yet if I can do it, so I'm not. I'm hoping you can because you you've told me a bit about it, and I'm not going to say Ooh. anything about it here. But uh, it's it's one I'm looking forward to if you can pull it off. I'm going to make my guess money. that it'll be Nick's version of Color Scripts. It. Uh, is, is it you like tell uh, him already? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I thought it was Handyman. I, th- I was sure it was Handyman. <laughs> I got an <laughs> idea for a game. W- wouldn't it be cool if you uh, start off the game with uh, Cocoa Motherboard and there's something wrong with it? And then you have to um, go to each chip and find out, you know, test it somehow and figure out what's the best way to get it working. That would be a neat game. That's kind of like Marty's Nightmare, isn't it? Where you have, you know, I think I have a hardware problem. And... <laughs> <laughs> but but I, th- I think I can predict it. Have you have you started on the title screen for it already, Nick? Because don't you always start with the title no, screen? No, but I've got plans. Yeah, I've got plans for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well. Shall we move along here and look at next week's game? <laughs> yes. Yes, and, please uh, do. Okay. Sloopy, uh, just, to, just to mention here, because we've gone fairly long now without a break, I think we'll take a break after this before we get to the game on news. I agree. Yeah. I need coffee. That's what I was planning on doing, because otherwise I'm going to need a diaper change. Over <laughs> <laughs> oh, sharing again there, Sloopy. Good night, everybody. Okay. How come we don't now, have like a cocoa break? Before before we get into what next week's game is, this is not next week's game. I just want to make a reminder that everybody should be playing. What the heck? Coco Barn. Coco Barn. Sorry. And and a recommendation from the author Paul, though, please play with the right color set. Yeah. (laughs) So play play Coco Barn because uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, we are going to start submitting our own levels to play and be voted on for which levels people liked. So, get used to it. Play it. When do the multiple games start? Uh, In the new year. Oh. Um, It'll still only be one game per week, but they're going to run longer, so they're going to overlap. So I guess we should mention that a little bit. um, What I'm going to start doing in the new year is, I think I'm to make it not too complicated. Each game is going to run for two weeks, but there'll be a new game announced each week, so there'll technically be, every week, there'll be two games you can choose from to play. And so if you like one, you can play it longer. If you don't like it, you can just play it once, get a score in, and then move on to another game. Yeah. I'm assuming the live game on Challenge, that you'll be kind of recommending both games to be played yeah. simultaneously yeah. by people. Yeah. So you can yeah, whichever come is and better. play. Well, and actually, in the live game on challenge, we don't even insist that you play the game of the week. You can play any Coco game. Our only stipulation is it has to be a Coco game. Yes, that's his stipulation. Yeah. Yeah. So no more Atari games, Sloopy. <laughs> no one even noticed. <laughs> so here is next week's game. Now, because of the break over Christmas, this is actually going to run for three weeks, isn't it? This one. No, we have a show next week. We have a show next week. Oh, okay, yeah. So next week's will be the one that runs for three weeks. Sorry, yeah. Yes. 
So does anybody recognize this game? No, I've never seen that one. No, is that um, Module Man? No, it's not Module Man. It looks similar, but it's not. I don't think. Ooh, I've stumped El Curtis Boyle. (laughs) This is originally a dragon game, isn't it? Yes, yes, I believe it was. Oh, I so do recognize it, I just can't remember the name of it. So this so is Cuthbert Goes to Medieval Times. And and Karen's That's not in here to remind me, so... Uh. Actually, very close, Jason, very close. <laughs> it's not a Cuthbert game, though. Yeah. Uh, it is right here. Robin Hood, oh, okay, yeah. Robin, mm, yeah. I've never seen that one. <laughs> no. I have, I just couldn't remember the name of it. So it's kind of like a Donkey Kong type game. You have to go through, pick up your stuff. You got to get the key, and then here I'll go back to the oh, other. Oh, Mike Chilton screen. is that the same guy that makes those car repair manuals? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go back to sharing this screen. So basically, you're the uh, little guy in the middle there, run jumping from platform to platform. The object is to get the key, doing the splits, and then get up to that uh, door. You're trying to save Maid Marian, who's in the top tower there. Yeah, and you've also got like a yeah, green arrow. Those are shooting across. You have to dodge. Yeah, you've got arrows shooting across at you, and you've got a guy dropping boulders on your head. Is, so, and uh, it, are there multiple levels, like different screens? Yep. Yes. Is right. Ma- is Maid Marian a fraggle? Possibly. Pretty close. Yeah, with that She's color a cross hair. between the... Yeah, well, I, I have it in a weird color set here because um, my capture card was acting up, so I had to put it uh, so that it was a little bit clearer. Put it in. So the, the so I'm assuming that the exactly Coco version of this is definitely on the archive, or is it joystick driven and it doesn't need to worry about any translations from the dragon? Um, I got it off the SDC thing, so I believe it's in the archive. Okay. Oh, better, better find yeah, that. It's on the archive. I just pulled it up. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, and oh, Dave Berry in, in the chat says this game is screaming for my color fix. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's there up you go, running. Dave. Yeah, if you, if you wait until about uh, two hours from now, Dave will have uh, fixes for colors, and uh, and they'll be ready for to put on your cartridges. There you go. So that so. is the game for next week. Okay. Great. And I'll point out it's not on Curtis's site. Yeah, it's among the other seven hundred that are not on my site. So. <laughs> That's my, my new goal is to find as many games not on Curtis's site as I can to try to make him feel like he has to get them on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, World of Dragon is a good place to go because there's a ton of those I haven't got on there yet. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. There's even the collection. Uh, there's even the Dragon uh, cassette cover on the archive as well. Like with instructions yeah. and everything. Uh, let's see. It's got the artwork. I'll uh, see if the instructions are there too. Oh, you know what I forgot to talk about in the um, thing was our live game on challenge. Oh, right. Yeah, because we had a pretty so good participation. Let me just get back to that real quick. <laughs> I'm just going uh-huh. to push this button. Hello, I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4-pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP DriveWire 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 Hey, what's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie. Hello, I'm 
David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Coco Talk show. ESP 8266-01 RS232 TTL Wi-Fi Network 4 Pin DIN Fitbanger DB9 PC IP Drivewire 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 Hey what's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here with you and in case you didn't know I've actually got merchandise, right? So I've got now two DVDs. This was my first DVD I released last year for the 25th anniversary Last Chicago Coco Fest. This features 20 videos and three hours of color computer game videos. This is my second DVD. This is a brand new one for the 2017 um, Last Chicago Coco Fest. And this one features 13 brand new color computer gameplay videos that you won't see anywhere else. Robocop. Oh, Robocop. Gotcha, sucker. This is not bad. Not bad at all. Yes, I did it. Oh, freaking right. Look at that. I made a pass yellow belt. Very cool. Oh, crap. I am getting the crap freaking bombed the hell out of me here. Okay, that the square guy looks kind of like a puckering sphincter. All right, there we go. Game over. Oh, that <laughs> <last walk. laughs> That's what she said. Okay, so I've got to jump over the spikes and under the ball. So, if you like my videos and you want to help support a starving artist, you can head on over to 8bit256.com and grab yourself a copy of one or both of these DVDs because they're both awesome. And if you like color computer gameplay videos, you might like these DVDs. So check them out. Thanks for watching my videos, everybody. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT. Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. Wow. Come back to the new show. Oh, yeah. Uh, where is. All we're right. back. Yes, we're back. And so, just real quick before we uh, jump into the um, the uh, gaming game on or the gaming news yep. with Curtis, um, I did want to mention that Robinhood actually does have instructions built right into the game. Uh, you do need a joystick for it, um, and I did forget to mention the uh, live uh, game on challenge that we had on Thursday night, so I will just quickly look at that. 
So as you can see, we had a lot of people in playing Joey. Um, some people were just hanging around uh, talking, but uh, I think at one point we had seven people playing. So Yes, we did. We did uh, pretty good there. So well, there we go, seven people. We even had the infamous Buck Owens in. Mm, yeah, yeah, Buck Owens even came in and... Um, Unfortunately, he short-circuited a little bit socks and only socks. made it to level five, so. <laughs> All right, well, that's, uh, <clears throat> so it was a good, successful live gaming. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, join us again this coming Thursday to try Robin Hood, or if you don't like that game, you can play a different one. You can even play more Jumping Joey. <laughs> or any one of Nick's other Fine, fine, incredibly uh, polished games. I'll like, expect my check in the mail, Nick. Like Neutroid? Neutroid. Oh, oh, <laughs> That's uh, Curtis's favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> I think I'm the only person that likes that game, am I? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I guess I'm the only person that has good taste. <laughs> yeah, yep, all right, well, that's all I have to say, so... All right. Uh, we're going to be checking the mail. Taste anyway, good or otherwise. All right. Let's run this nice little intro. Take it away, Curtis. Okay, let's see if I get the right window here. Okay, if you're seeing Paul Shoemaker's name near the top of the screen, then I'm sharing the right one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Paul, we mentioned last week, released his uh, winter version of Ghost Rush, which he promises the last one. Uh, and literally just a couple days after that, he released that camel game he's been working on. Uh, which we showed a video of the uh, animations of before. So you can download that now on the uh, Facebook Coco page. He's already submitted to the archive. I didn't get a chance to check this morning to see if it's already there and active. But it's uh, originally a creative computing game from 1979 that he gussied up with a lot of fancy graphics. Um, and it's written in 100% machine language. The original version was written in BASIC. And uh, you've actually got some optional Coco 3 palettes you can cycle through by hitting the P-Cake, similar to what he does on Christmas Rush. And if you like the kind of Oregon Trail style game, it's kind of along that line a little bit, trying to navigate your camel. But it's a nice free download. Works in a Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. Um, I don't think this one right now runs on the Dragon, though, Paul. I think he's still in the chat there. He can correct me if I'm wrong or if he's making a separate version for that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. The animations of the camel and stuff are quite quite well done. So go grab it now. Okay, next up after that, we have Mr. Dave, who's actually in the chat as well, Dave Veery. So he's been, as we mentioned earlier, and he's probably going to be doing on this game challenge for this next week, is he's been patching some of the games to give you some different colors, uh, specifically for RGB monitors, because, of course, most of the artifact games show black and white. In this particular case of the game next week, I think it's just to change the the stock four colors that you're kind of stuck with when you pick P-Mode 3. Um, so this here is a couple of old games uh, called Color Blast and Creature Feature, both by the same author, uh, originally done by John Nikowski. And uh, he's got a bit of a history because he actually, actually, I'm going to play the video while it's going here too. I'll just kill the sound off a bit. 
Um, so he's basically he's put those onto one single cart and he's patched the colors. So both, both these games. But basically, John was one who actually entered the Spectral Associates Prism Trophy Contest in 1982, of which Whirlybird Run was the winner. And uh, his game was called Space Century. It came in third. So he was the uh, the final uh, of the top three that actually got awards for it. So then he started his own software company, which is what he's got here, which went under a couple different names. And he made, a, I think, four games total. He had a boxing game, too, if I remember. So, But the original ones were quite differently colored than this. And, uh, of course, an RGB monitor uh, showed up as black and white. So. so that's the first of the two games, if you haven't seen before. And then Creature Feature, which is basically you're a hunter and you're a standard you know, baseball cap. And you're shooting randomly weird things that hatch and come after you. So anyway, uh, I believe he's actually put those up for download on the Discord. So if anybody wants to grab those patched versions and uh, run them on an RGB monitor, or if they want to make an actual flash cartridge or even a real cartridge, it's actually set up to run on the cartridge too. So you can actually put that in as a plug-in cart. So you can go grab those too. And thanks, Mr. Dave. And we're looking forward to your patches uh, for colors on the this next week's game. Robin Hood. Next up, this is kind of follow-up to last week. <clears throat> Video Game Magazine's channel on YouTube has been basically doing scans of all the pages of electronic uh, games. Uh, one of the earlier video game and electronic games, so the handheld, you know, LED-based games and stuff too. And it was one of the few that covered multiple platforms that actually did cover the Coco a fair bit during its first few issues. So we mentioned like last week we showed a few. So this one here, you can see the page I've got it stopped on right now. You can see a picture of Quasar Commander in the lower left corner, which is one of the original five titles released for the Coco um, with the launch of the Coco 1 itself in 1980. And they'd announced nine cartridges. I think four got delayed a month or two that got released more towards the end of 1980. But uh, Quasar was one of the originals that actually was out. And you know, has always scale. was a what? Always a, was a weird game because um, of the colors. Uh, you're in space and it's yellow. I always thought it was a, a weird looking game. So I never did play that game. You're in yeah, I mean, the uh, game itself, I, like, I, I think it was kind of trying to be like Star Raiders, but it, I mean, it was a 4K cartridge. Yeah. Uh, well, but the scaling graphics and stuff, I mean, I mean, the author, Robert Kilgus, who else did skiing, which is one of the best 3D skiing games of any machine of that era, um, kind of use the same scaling routine, same as Dino Wars does. So he was really good at that kind of math I don't understand. <laughs> so, And he has a couple different ships that scale up. He's got that standard TIE fighter looking one that's in the screenshot here, and he's got a few others too, and there's like radar views you can fiddle with and stuff. So it's actually a pretty decent game for 4K. It kind of showed off what a 6809 could do with the you know the math functions built in. But it wasn't the funnest game to play. I'd say Project Nebula is a much better Star Raider yeah, style that game. that was the better one there. Yeah. But there's uh, multiple mentions of the Coco in this one, and I think I wrote down a couple spots. Uh, yeah, so let's fast forward. Well, no, I know Firefox is going to give me issues with buffering, but we'll see what we do here. I can't read, read that thing. So I'll let the panel pick, but there's two Coco games pictured on this page. And uh, yeah. just uh, wondering if you guys know which ones are which. Because they actually Space don't intruders. label them with the name. <laughs> Space Intruders and Polaris. No, Space Intruders was yours, Nick. I mean, um, what was that one called? Um, Space uh, Assault? Yep. No, it was, yeah. And Polaris? Yep, correct. Yeah. So Space Assault 
well, these are both 4K games, but Space Assault is one that uh, the image producers made. It's not my favorite Space Invaders by far. It's uh, Joystick controls are a little bit too fast because they use the analog to position your player across the bottom. And the sound effects yeah. are, I, I guess the polite way of saying is farting noises. <clears throat> so it's not my, my favorite yeah. one. Um, but Polaris is actually one of the best home it, computer ports yeah. of Missile Command, to be honest. Yeah. That's my vote, yes. Yeah. I know Ron is very much partial to defense, and if you're a fan of the Atari 2600 version of Missile Command, that is a better clone of that. This is more cloned off the arcade with three separate launches that you can actually control with the keyboard and both left and right side keys, so if you're left-handed, right-handed, it doesn't matter. Also plays pretty good with a trackball on the same. And the colors are more suited as well. And they rotate. Like, you get all eight colors as you're playing the game. It, it yeah. has, like, night missions when it's dark blue and stuff. So. Polaris was a really early game that made the Coco look good. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah, sound well, effects. This game so much better than other machines did. Yeah, this is one of the ones when I took my Coco to high school to compete against the Apple IIs and the Ataris that other people brought in. Because on Friday evenings, we'd sometimes stay late and, and everybody would bring their home machines there. To, so we could all try each other's stuff, right? TI-99s, all kinds of stuff there. And this this is one of the ones. Zaxxon was another one that was really well-liked on the Coco Donkey King. And Polaris was one that they all said, yeah, this is the best missile command out of everybody's here. So, yeah, I totally agree. That's a that's a prime one. I'm not even sure who wrote it. I think it's um, uh, the guy who wrote Racket 2 and stuff. What's his name? Robert Arnstein. And Mark Siegel, if he's still in chat, may know for sure. But I think that's one of his, but I'm not positive. And then I think there was one other Coco mention here a little bit later. Let me look at the timestamp. Yeah. Six, six. Which issue was that? This is issue two. Oh. Issue two, all right. Of uh, what was Electronic the magazine games. called? Electronic yeah, I think Games. I've got them archived, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, it's on here. So if you can see on the, the right page of the two pages that are scanned here under Computer Playland, which is the middle column down near the bottom, they review meteoroids by Spectral Associates. So as I mentioned uh -huh. last week, this is one of the magazines that actually was getting into third-party stuff, not just the Tandy stuff, this early on. So meteoroids was one that Tandy eventually liked so much they bought it out and resold it as microbes. So this is the original yeah. release by Spectral themselves before it got changed to the name. And they were kind of a little bit yeah, they, they basically liked it. Now, at this point, and I think Cam Camera Meteorites did this or not, too, but basically you used both joysticks because one controlled the firing direction, the other one controlled the flight direction. And I can't remember if they kept that in microbes or they changed that. I know their Space War did the same thing, too, so it's a bit awkward to play if you're... I usually played it two players, actually. I had one person controlling the ship movement and one controlling the firing. And that seemed to work better. But it's just cool because, I mean, most of the video game magazines that were out at this time, like Video Game Player and a bunch of others, they just covered the basics like the, the VIC-20, the C64, the Atari 400-800, the consoles, the television, the ColecoVision. That's it. They just covered the main guys. They didn't cover us or the Tier City Model 1-3s or any of the slightly you know lesser common machines. But this one did, and this is one of the reasons I actually did buy this one fairly regularly back when they were first coming out. Yeah, it was a good mag, that. Yeah. Next up, this is uh, not strictly Coco or Dragon related, but kind of. Um, so a lot of you are probably familiar with the game for the Dragon called Airball, where you're basically a big 
white ball and you got to navigate and not get punctured on spikes and you have to jump around and it's kind of an isometric view and uh it was uh got multi-voice music in it um it's one of those pixel perfect games too which is really difficult apparently there was plans to make a version of it for the nes a while ago and it got canceled but somebody actually went in and finished it now and uh it's now available in NES as of this past week, and, and it's in full color now instead of black and white, because the original is 256-182 black and white for the PAL Dragon specifically. Um, I don't think we've covered Airball on the channel on the gaming. Have we, Ken? Pretty sure we have not. No, I do not believe we have. Okay, because if, if we do end up picking it, if you guys think Nick's game's frustratingly hard, oh boy, <laughs> are you in for a treat. That would be one of the reasons I have not picked it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Manic... Miner and Jet Set Willy look easy. Um, once you get kind of used to controls, it's not too bad. Like I, I could actually get through a few screens, but it's uh, it's interesting seeing this where they actually have it in full color because it's, it's that's quite different. And it's available on the NES and on the Game Boy Advance. So that's uh, it's kind of cool that you know a game that was created on the Dragon eventually got ported to Coco, and now it's being ported to like the you know the actual console games in full color. It's kind of it usually goes the other way around. It doesn't usually go that direction as far as porting. So that was really cool. So thanks to Brian Joyce for pointing that out because I would have missed that otherwise. Next up, this is a channel on Twitch and also he puts them on YouTube, kind of like we do, so it's live on Twitch. Um, and he's been going through and kind of going through the history of video games. Now he's covering consoles, home computers, and the arcade. And he does it by year. So he did some stuff in 79 and now he's doing 1980. And he's trying to do it in chronological order. So if he has release dates specifically for certain games, he'll do those first. And anything that's left over that just says copyright 1980, but he doesn't know when it came out, he does these more generic ones where he just goes alphabetically through all these ones here. So right now he's going through the uh, generic 1980 stuff. And the last, he's had about three episodes in the last month, month and a half, that have actually covered a couple of the early Coco games because, of course, the Coco one got released in 1980. So the first one he did here was Backgammon. Um, this screenshot, I think somebody else had made because it's got the uh, RGB color composite thing mixed up, yeah. so it's got the grays. When he actually goes to play it in the emulator a little bit later, it actually comes out proper. Yeah, that looks better. It looked yeah. look good in that color set too. Yeah, this is one where it actually really worked well. Yeah. And this is also one of the original five, original nine, depending on how you want to yeah. view it. Uh, the very first soft releases for the Coco. And this is one I have absolutely no clue who wrote. Not the foggiest idea, just this Tandy copyright, so somebody internal. Um, but he didn't play it too much because, I mean, backgammon's a little bit boring to watch. <laughs> so, and so anyway, that was the first video that I, I stumbled upon. Um, the next up, I got an empty tab there for some reason. Uh, so the next episode, he went and he covered Dino Wars. And they call it We Go Berserk, because Berserk is one of the highlight games of this. And he does multiple games on a stream. He doesn't just pick a single game for a single stream. He picks about a dozen and goes through them. So this one, he played Dino Wars. But now in the emulator here, he didn't realize at first it's a two-player game. Uh, so when he's, of course, he's got the joysticks being emulated on both sides. He didn't have to switch ports. So he's controlling both dinosaurs at the same time with the same joystick, which doesn't really work that well. But he was impressed by the scaling. So he didn't get a very good rating because he didn't really know what the object of the game was. He just, you know, walked around and roared a lot. 
And this is Dino Wars. So he so got a, take a look at the artwork for Dino Wars. What's that? Radio, Radio Shacks. Oh, it's good oh, that he uses a uh, Model Shacks. One Coco. It was part of the Trinity. The, uh, yeah. other page. Yeah, and he actually shows like the manual, the boxing. Like he does a pretty good, thorough job, and he does this for all the platforms. And he picks, you know, more obscure ones too, like the Exidy Sorcerers one. He's covered a few of, etc. Oh wow. The Coco had cartridges. You can. So I'm going to start following his channel. Here's the RGB composite thing again. Screenshots, man. Yeah. They are. Anyway, he gave it a pretty poor rating. He was impressed by the graphic scaling, especially for 1980. But you know, the gameplay he didn't really get. Now, one thing he does have is he has people actively watching the streams, and he's got people actively commenting afterwards, and actually somebody went and corrected and explained to him how it's supposed to work. So he ended up going back and doing a re-review of it, basically, and re-rated it again, and uh, gave it a much higher one. So I'll play a little bit of that clip, because he kind of this is the correction video when he's doing his next episode. And the first thing we need to do before moving on to our next game I'll is just go like play back. Bit, just can kind of I see, have to uh, re-rate this live like. on air. This is Dino Wars, and if you missed the last episode, this was our first game on the TRS-80 Color Computer, or the Coco. And I actually didn't understand the full concept of the game, because when we do these games uh, one by one live, I'm, I, not, not every time I'm going to get everything correct. Now, when I first played Dino Wars, I thought it was two dinosaurs fighting, and when I booted up the game was playing, it just looked like dinosaurs walking around, so I didn't really give it much uh, heart. But after getting schooled online, I learned that Dino Wars is a one-on-one -on -one fighting game. It is two dinosaurs that are fighting. That is health bars on either side of the 100%, and you can move in and out of the foreground and walk around almost like in a 3D space. So you can actually walk way back to where the mountains are, then move all the way up and have this giant sprite on the screen. The sprites scale on the screen. Now, it doesn't have a lot of fighting mechanics, you know, like Primal Rage. You only have two attacks. But the idea that someone made this for a home computer and you could play it on the home computer, we are raising it up to four stars. Definitely for Dino Wars. Uh, so re-rating four stars for Dino Wars. <laughs> That's the only one we're going to do this time. Let's move on. So anyway, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of people do their initial reviews and then they, they're on to the next game and they never revisit, especially if they didn't really understand the game concept. So that, that, that's really cool. And he's done this with other non-Coco-related games as well, too, where he's you know, tried firing something up and it couldn't quite get it to work properly or, or didn't understand what you're supposed to do. But he will go through and correct it, which is nice. So I'm going to start following him because it looks like, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming in 80, 81, 82, etc. You know, that will be Coco related or even if he starts playing some of the Dragon stuff in 82. So I'll, I'll be sure to highlight some of his stuff here. But he's interactive in the chat. I actually watched his live stream for the first time last night. No Coco stuff related there. But uh, he played some old games from the Apple II I knew and stuff and I wasn't doing comments. And he, he definitely checks the chat out like we do where he, uh, you know, interacts with the chat live. So that, that's a really cool thing, too, because I, I like that type of show. That's one of the things I like best about our show. So definitely check him out if you're into retro gaming in general. Like I said, he covers arcade consoles. He covers uh, home computer consoles, and he covers home game consoles. So he's going through the whole gamut. And uh, like I said, he also does some of the more obscure ones, like the Exidy Sorcerer. He went through Apple IIs and Ataris and then Coco and Tier City Model 1 and 3s. He's done a few of those, too. So a lot of good history there. And Good. just so you know, this is his page on Twitch. If you want to watch him live, he records every weekday. So Monday through Friday, he does a stream every single day, multiple games per stream. And he starts at 9 p.m. Eastern, I believe. Or sorry, 9 p.m. Central or 8 p.m. Central. I can't remember. He says that if you watch his little uh, blur video that kind of explains the channel, that gives you the details. But he records five days a week, multiple games per day. So if you're really into retro gaming, I'd highly recommend his channel.
That's it for the game on news. So I will get mm. ready to switch over to the regular stuff. I don't know if you want to play an intro there, Sloopy, or should I just go straight into it? Uh, just go straight into it. Okay. It looked like you're busy soldering or something there. No, my back is killing me, so I'm like bending down to make it feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. Thought you were pouring over a circuit board or something. Nope. <laughs> He's falling asleep. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Isn't this just the uh, nap time? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so um, first thing I'm going to mention, uh, Boat John Akarshaller from the Eagles was going to try to do an announcement late in the show uh, last week, but I didn't catch the message that he wanted to do that until too late. Um, and he's busy this week. He's actually out of town. But uh, be here next week because he's going to come on to announce Boat Fest 2023 details. And this is a show that started last year. And much thanks to Franklin Harris of uh, Retro Rewind because he actually got me down to the show to participate. And I even was on their Coco Show Live. Um, but if you guys are into retro gaming in general or just retro computers in general, it's a, it's a fun show. We were pretty crowded last year, so they've got a bigger venue with about twice as much space. People are going to be bringing Vectrixes and all kinds of consoles. They had a big, I think, a six or eight multiplayer game going on one of the consoles, which is pretty rare even for that console to get that that used. And there's some other plans for big, massive multiplayer stuff, too. Uh, there's the challenge against Brent, where you have to play with these little microscopic joysticks you know, and try to beat him. I think they're doing a fighting game. I can't remember if it's Mortal Kombat or what it is, but something like that. They also bring like a virtual pinball table and a whole bunch of other things. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. If you're into gaming in general, I mean, you'll really like the show. So that'll be announced. Well, they've been already announced on their channel. But he'll be on to announce the details here next week uh, for Boat Fest 2023, which is this summer in West Virginia. So we'll be around for that. Okay, on to the regular news here. So we got multiple ones from uh, Alan Huffman. So Alan's been busy doing a bunch of different things as usual. He's kind of like all over the place at the same time. <laughs> So the first one here, and I had to put this in mainly because it uh, kind of covers my wheelhouse a little bit too. Uh, some of you might have seen some pictures if you're on our Discord that Henry Wright felt, and he's brought this Rampage arcade cabinet for to Coco Fest. And it's basically a main cabinet with all the you know proper arcade joystick buttons and uh, rollerballs and stuff like that on it. So it's authentic arcade hardware. But with running MAME on it, you can actually run emulations of all the various machines, and he's had the Coco on there quite a bit. So he booted up EOU version 1 after it got released and showed some screenshots of it running on there. And then Alan Huffman said, could you play my Space Invaders game? Because he's never seen it in an actual arcade cabinet. That would be kind of cool. So Henry obliged. And this is it. You can see this is the Space Invaders game that Alan wrote probably 30 years ago now, I guess. And it's updated a few times. But uh, running on an actual arcade cabinet with actual arcade controls. So he was quite happy with that. So he made a blog post about it with a screenshot. So hopefully uh, if Henry is able to bring this out here to the Cocoa Fest this April, we can get a chance to try that. Next up, um, this is a uh, programming competition where you try to, on whatever platform you're running on, you try to duplicate a program that's been issued as a challenge, but you try to shrink it down to be as small as possible. Now, Alan's got two parts out to this one. Uh, Last year, I think they had to make a Christmas tree on the text screen. This year, it's a star. Um, and basically you go through and try to compress the code. The initial program they give you is just raw print, you know, spaces and all, you know, print out the star and then you try to compress it down. Now, he's already mentioned this is going to be a six-part series. He's got two of the parts up now. 
So obviously he hasn't optimized it as much as he could yet because he's got four more episodes to go here, but he kind of goes through, here's the original stock, print everything. And he mentions the fact that the, the, the star they picked is a line or two long to fit on the Coco with one and two screen, so it scrolls off. So he did that one, and then he did the follow-up where he actually starts to do the compression a little bit. And here he's using like a table of string strings, I think, over somewhere. Oh, one other thing I should mention. Uh, if you give it a following Alan's blog or Alan on Facebook on the Coco group here, he's been really fiddling with that uh, AI chat thing that actually can program and figure out programs and stuff. Have you been following that kind of stuff or even tried it yourself on the panel? Mm-mm. No? no okay. It sounds interesting. Yeah, so it's it was, it's called Open GPT or something. I can't remember. It looks like I forgot to write it down, but... Uh, Basically, it uh, he pumped it into there, and it, it he said you know output in basic you know how I would do this type thing, and it, here it did, but it, unfortunately it's like a much newer version of basic, looks closer to basic nine type thing. But it did jam out some code, and uh, then he started going into his own compression here, where he's actually using table of numbers for strings of spaces followed by the asterisks, and it actually ended up being a little bit bigger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's got some more work to do, as he says, but. Uh, and then uh, when he did get it working here, he had a few gaps he had to fix up too. So it's basically just running through, you know, how he optimized the code. And we'll see where he ends up at the end of part six. Uh, the other thing he did this week also, he uh, decided to try CMOC for the first time because he's done some C programming under OS 9 or Nitrous 9, but he's never done any of the C compilers for the, the you know, the regular disk basic. Now, there was a few of them back in the day. I know I had one called, um, it was a small C implementation of KNR. Uh, by Duggar's Growing Systems that came out in 83, I think, originally. So we had a few small Cs back then. CMOC, of course, is the more modern one by, um, is it Pierre Sarazin? Am I getting the name right? Who's also published libraries for it for doing graphics and disk I.O. and sound and all kinds of stuff. And it works with both OS 9 and with Disk Basic. So this is the very first C program he's ever tried using CMOC. And he had a few tribulations, you know, getting it all set up. Um due to various, you know, kinds of C compilers that are underneath that actually handle the actual conversion and stuff here too. But he eventually did get it running and he's got his first little hello program that he did here to clear the screen. And uh, he's going to keep experimenting with it. We'll see what, what he comes up with here. And this is more going into the AI thing again. And he, his the title of this one is kind of interesting in the title of the article. I will never write a shell script again. And he was talking about using CMOC to do the build, and he wanted to automate the steps, build, and copy the disk image because he wants to just be able to click, you know, or run a script and it'll do everything and create a disk image ready to run with the program you did. And he mentioned that he, you know, OS9 he used to do the shell script, which I do even to this day. And then he went to the chat GPT, this artificial intelligence that's been getting raved about by tons of tech websites. And he goes, asks the chat bot, how can I pass a parameter to a Unix shell script? And the response kind of teaches you exactly what to do with examples. And then he starts getting more specific about, you know, write a shell script that takes a parameter, a name, and then run CMOC name, and then deck B copy name to CBISC bin dot name. So basically creating a script to compile the code, put it into a disk image, and have it ready to run. And it actually created something here that pretty well did exactly what he asked without him having to write any code. So now he's planning on doing all of his scripts just using this chat robot to do the coding for them. So I know they've done some further experiments. Some other people on the Facebook group that have been watching this have been doing some experiments with it too. It's not perfect. It sometimes really screws up. 
or it has you know a different version of basic or whatever scripting language it's trying to do but it's pretty impressive to be honest it's getting as good as it is how long before we can just say you know make jumping joey and it'll just figure it out and do it for you i don't know yet and nick i wanted to ask you do you feel your job is threatened totally no no um no not really uh there's a a degree of creative element that uh the ais don't do yet so yeah i think uh yeah ways to go yet i i do know like he he actually gave it some source code and stuff and said, you what is this program doing? And it was surprisingly accurate on some of them, considering he just threw like, here's random 6809 code. And, you know, he didn't know if this thing would even recognize what that is. And it goes, yeah, it's a 6809 and you're clearing a screen of some sort or block of memory. You know, I mean, so it actually recognized loops and what the loops were doing and stuff. So as a former system administrator, I feel kind of. <laughs> obsoleted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The kind of code that I wrote, this thing's doing just fine. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty impressive. I, I have to say, I've 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 seen some people like The Verge and a few others have also poo pooed part of it because they said it's not that accurate. Well, I mean, this is the first time they've actually released to the public really trying something like this, and the fact that it's as accurate as it is means they're definitely on the right track. But like Nick said, the creative part is where I don't think you could probably get it to write some routines for you for a game you're working on, but I think you'll still have to come up with the creative ideas to to link it all together. But you might not have to do as much coding. So that was interesting. And you can always bring up the small problem that it's not actually writing any of that. It's regurgitating it from a huge data set that it was trained right. on. Right, hence no originality. Now, I'm assuming that data set is growing based on other queries because some people have submitted code and stuff to it as they've been right. interfacing with it. So I'm assuming it gets better and better too, right? Well, it gets more and more code, but it's kind of like the <laughs> internet. The more you add to it doesn't necessarily make it better. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> okay, next up, and I'm going to absolutely slaughter this last name. So Conrad Peter Zakowski, something like that. I just noticed I spelled his name wrong in the uh, show notes. Anyway, he shared a video showing his loading a game via PC that is part of his museum collection in Poland. So he's got a retro museum in Poland, and he doesn't have a cassette recorder or an SDC or anything else for his Coco. And it's actually a Coco 3, surprisingly enough, though he's loading a Coco 2 game into it, actually a Dragon game originally. But he uh, basically got it hooked up to his PC, and he's just pumping the audio through the earphone jack into the cassette input interface on the Coco. So he's actually got this up and running. And you can see here in Polish his description. And then he also talks about, I did the Google Translate here. So if you're ever in Poland and you want to check out a computer museum that actually has a Coco 3 up and running, uh, this is the guy to talk to. I, I won't bother playing the video here because it just shows a little bit of a demo of the game playing. And it's one we've actually shown before on the show. But uh, he was quite happy that he actually got it working without having to buy all the extra hardware, try to find a cassette deck, etc. This is an interesting one that appeared on medium.com. And it was trying to figure out the history of Christmas demos on home computers. Uh, and the Coco is one of the earliest ones I mentioned here. There's a basic one written in 1982. Now, I do remember when we interviewed the image producers, Glenn Soggy had mentioned that he had made a Christmas demo for Radio Shack for Christmas 1980, which is two years earlier than the one they found here. But it's one that only basically got showed in a few local Chicago Radio Shacks at the time. And uh, <clears throat> he's lost it since then, and he doesn't know anybody else that has it, so we can't show it obviously 
I seem to remember though, didn't Tier City Microcomputer News publish some cocoa graphical uh Christmas demos before 1982 Christmas? I'm pretty sure. Does anybody else here remember any Christmas demos on the Cocoa One from before that time? Nope. Okay, maybe it's just me then. Uh, but they showed like a really, really one from the 60s here, which is actually running on a mainframe doing a you know a Christmas tree in the printer. <laughs> And the Christmas Lemmings game from Emma Stoss, obviously that's a bit later, but here they did a Christmas scene on the Coco One, so the Coco One got prominently featured. Even have the source code listing for it, and who wrote the original version? Peter Stump from McHenry, Illinois. And a little bit of an animated GIF kind of showing a little bit of the drawing. Now, unfortunately, the artifact colors, I think, are reversed here, but they're probably not familiar with the Coco, so probably wouldn't know. But a nice little demo. I, I've written a few of these myself back in the day. I've got to find them and put them up in the archive at some point, but has anybody else here written little Christmas demos for home or for friends' businesses or anything like that besides me? No, the last one you showed, though, I've seen before. This one here? Is the old? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say the old printed out one on teletype paper. They used to tape it up over the top of the teletype every year at school and say, you don't need to print that out anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah it's a bit of a waste of paper and ink and ribbons i guess by, by a thousand students yeah christmas demo i'm gonna make a bigger one this year yeah <laughs> i said it's, it's kind of cool though because they go through some of the other ones like some of the commodore 64 stuff which of course looked a bit more advanced we've got a few pretty advanced coco 3 ones i've seen too even tandy had that coco 3 christmas demo from it was at 87 or 88 where you get to watch the reindeer and stuff going across and, you know, the elves loading the Radio Shack truck to take stuff out to the stores. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the Sierra one, which actually is included on EOU, if you want to try that on the Cocoa itself, is another one. That's the 10,000 version of the show there. But it goes through you know, more advanced ones as they go. But uh, I'm sure there was some Cocoa ones before 82 Christmas. I'm almost 100% positive. So I'm going to have to dig through my discs one of these days and see if I can find it. <laughs> Next up, this is one I missed. Um, so Glenn actually mentioned, because we mentioned uh, another blog entry he did last week, but he mentioned you didn't mention this one. And he's right, I completely missed it. So this is another programming challenge type of thing. Um, and this is called Code Golf, um, which is a website that has various people issuing challenges of making code as small as possible in the language of your choice. So it's not restricted to basic or machine language or C or anything like that. You can pick whatever you want. And you basically have to duplicate a task that somebody else has done on some other platform and see how well you do. So Glenn took up the challenge of drawing a Mona Lisa on a graphic screen using a technique originally by a programmer named Jacob Ilmanet Debsky. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. My apologies. Uh, it's a procedural graphics demo originally for the Atari XL. So Sloopy will like that part. And was 250 bytes of assembly code and data. And uh, it, it, Cheated a tiny bit, well, not cheat. It just it, it uses a couple of ROM routines. One to set up the graphics screen on the Atari, and another one to actually do the drawing of of lines. It called the ROM routine for that. Two hundred fifty bytes. Glenn, uh, his final result from his fiddling around was two hundred eighty three bytes. But he's actually setting up the screen and drawing the lines in his code, so that takes some extra room, obviously. And uh, so he got it pretty close, and he actually made a little demo of it drawing here. Now it's a procedural thing where it kind of recurses and calls different things with certain parameters changing and stuff so it 
it doesn't just draw the Mona Lisa like a data table. It kind of does it in a weird way. And I thought it was kind of cool just visually to watch. Um, and then these hardware runs the same way, but I'll just let you play here so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. So basically, it's just a bunch of lines that can proceed to generate. Eventually, if you let it run wrong enough, it kind of makes the Mona Lisa picture. Not bad for just over hair over a quarter K. <laughs> Another screensaver is born. Yeah, yeah. That would work very, very well for stuff like that. Yeah, because it's constantly drawing, overdrawing itself. It's not just drawing the pixels and that they stay static for the final image. It's it's all over the place just to make it as compressed as possible. Keep and of course, Glenn being Glenn, he's published the entire source code in the semi-language here with comments. If you want to take a look and learn how he did it. Or if you can figure out some places to optimize even a little bit more, if you wanted to see if you can get them down close to the Atari's version. So my apologies to Glenn for missing that the first time around. So uh, thanks, Glenn, for notifying me. And I think that's pretty humorous joke to think that, uh, you know, we're going to just walk over there and write Glenn's code better for him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was going to do that for Robotron because we thought there was bugs and I was going to try to find the bug. Then we found out the arcade game had the same bugs. So he he literally translated properly, so I didn't bother. Next up, we have Sheldon McDonald. And uh, we've mentioned a while ago that uh, he's been working on a new IDE integrated development environment uh, that's going to be dual purpose. It'll work for the Coco and it'll also work for the Sega Genesis. And you can just, you know, click a few buttons to switch between the two and you're running 68K assembly code here and you're running 6809 over here. Um, and it kind of, he has libraries developed or, you know, for doing graphics and sound for the two different systems here. So we did a almost 17 minute video here kind of showing the dual ID set and how to switch. I'll just play a little clips and kind of get an idea, but you definitely want to go check the video if you want to do it. It's still a work in progress though try to tell you it's it's uh dangerous or something uh go through the menus and and say you're okay with it um once you get once you get it uh downloaded you'll you'll find that it has a a sega coco ide folder i just uh for now take that folder and drag it to your desktop okay and you'll have it uh like this uh, so this is the program here. Um, you'll also need a prerequisite of DirectX 9.0C. If you have uh, one of the later... So obviously this is Windows only at this point, but... And he goes in and he kind of shows how the ID works. He shows you how to switch between the two different platforms for the destination. Um, some of the scripts that are set up to automatically run it. As soon as you compile it, it makes the disk image and then fires up the emulator to run it immediately so you can test it fairly quickly. So it's it's kind of cool to see the progress here, and he's actually got a few games on on both systems that he's been fiddling with. So it'll be interesting to see what else he comes up with, and also where the ID itself goes. Next, this just got announced uh, yesterday, I believe. So Jim Brain is uh, sharing an event he did on the Coco Group, the Glenside Group, the MC10 Group, and a bunch of others. Um, I was hoping maybe some of the Glenside officers would be here to kind of talk about it because I don't know too much about it except for what I read here. But I'll just kind of give you the summary version. Or you can go to the Facebook page to read the full one. I think he also posted to the Coco listserv if you're yeah, on the Coco mailing list. So he said, basically, uh, Glenside is planning to have a celebration of Tandy computers or work alikes, which includes clones like the Alice, the Dragon, the CP400, etc. Uh, sharing stories, etc. On December 30th, you can also do demos and things too. 
It will be a Zoom call starting at 6.30 p.m. Central Time and last as long as people are willing to hang out and talk. Um, so basically, it'll be on uh, the Zoom channel. He's actually got the link for it here, both on the post on the Cocoa List and also on the Facebook posts as well in multiple groups. Um, they even have it set up so you, if you don't have access to Zoom at that time, there's actually phone numbers you can do if you want to just get in on the audio part of the call and join the call there too. So I am planning, unless something else comes up that I'm not aware of at the current moment in time, I'm planning on actually popping by for that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So, and, and anybody else that has uh, seen this already, is anybody else planning on going to this besides me? I'll try to swing by. Yeah. I hope to. Yep. I hope a lot of folks show up. Cool. Since we're actually off, like our show's off for a couple of weeks over Christmas here, mainly because everybody that's working behind hard behind the scenes, they have to get all these new commercials and splash screens and intros and stuff all done. It'll give us some time for testing, et cetera. So while we have some you know well-deserved time off for them to get all that stuff done, the rest of us uh, can just join in on this. And that'll be like an extra, you know, not a bonus episode, but an extra bit of cocoa goodness during the, that break time. Anyway, all the details on Facebook, uh, like I said, the Cocoa Group, the Dragon Group, the MC10 Group, the Glenside Group, and also on the list. Next up, and this one got pointed out to me. I did see this story last week. I even sent a comment to Adrian on it. I even mentioned Daniel's uh, basically doing this project herself. Daniel Connor, for those who don't know. Um, but apparently I thought I'd put it in the show yeah last week, but I went and scrubbed back because people said I didn't see it there. And I knew I'd thrown out a few stories at the last minute that didn't get into the official published notes, but I went and scrubbed through it real quick this morning and I didn't see me mentioning it either. So apparently I totally forgot. So my apologies to everybody involved, especially Tim Linder pointed out because the, if, if you guys have watched this already know the story behind it, Adrian picked up this, I'll, uh, play it a little. Mute, well, mute hello here, everyone. But... And well. But basically, you can see this really, really dirty Tier City Model 3 or 4. I can't even tell with all the dust on it what color it's supposed to be. Um, dual drive system, you know, the American keypad, standard Model 3, Model 4. Pretty, pretty sad shape. But it was donated by Tim Linder himself from somebody else. And when he opens up the machine, it's been gutted. There's no main motherboard, but there's like a Cocoa floppy controller. And there's some special weird wiring on the keyboard and a bunch of other things, too. So basically, somebody repacked. A cocoa, including the floppy controller, hooked up the keyboards to the Numeric keypad, and everything else works, all running a Cocoa One basically. And he actually has the Cocoa One motherboard that was originally in here as well. So, not only uh, that, but they put a uh, TV in there with a yeah, tuner. it's a color TV, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that that's one of the more interesting repacks. I we did have one guy in our local co club here in Saskatoon that did the same thing with the Model Three, and we had a. Two guys, I think, that did the kind of flip one where they took the Model 3 keyboard itself, cut the edge of the uh, case on the Cocoa 1 to fit it, and actually jammed a, Cocoa, or a Model 3 keyboard with a working keypad into a Cocoa 1. And that was actually a published in Color Computer News Magazine. Somebody actually you know, told you how to rewire it, what to cut, what size. And it was actually a project they published in mid-1982. Actually, this I, actually did, I did the what, same thing with a black and white TV. And... Um, it was a uh, Model 4 data data terminal before, you know, that somebody got it. Yeah. So I used the case for it, and I have a picture of it, but it's just from far.
out, but left a lot of the other cocoa innards still in here. So I think Adrian, because he did find the motherboard that originally was paired with this, I think he's thinking of trying to get the whole thing up and running again. So basically you'll end up with a self-contained unit with a full-blown keyboard with an Amer keypad, a Cocoa 1 with a color screen, dual floppy drives hooked up to the floppy controller, plus a way to do the cassette stuff, all in a Cocoa or in a Model 3 case. So it's uh, it's one of the more interesting repacks. And I think from what I remember, like the Cocoa 3 is when I remember most repacks happening. Like, Rick, you you had one and... Tons of others did too. Some even did it in like wood and made portables. Um, so I think the Cocoa 3 got more of these types of cases because that's after the PCs came out and it was a bit easier to fit stuff in. But I think the Cocoa tended to get probably proportionally a bit more of these than say Ataris or Commodores. I, I, for those of you that are more familiar with the the other platforms than I am, um, how often did repacks happen there? Like Sloopy for the Atari, Mark for Apple IIs, uh, was that a thing? Well, in the Apple II days, they originally, for the first few years, they sold them um, motherboards without the cases. You didn't have to get them in little flat things. So a lot of people did their own custom cases. Are you talking the Apple I or the Apple II? Apple II. Okay. The Apple I knew about the Apple I. Apple I had no cases or keyboards when you bought it, unless somebody put one together like the night shop or something. But the Apple IIs, yeah, you could buy just the motherboard with nothing else. Was that commonplace, though, or was that fairly rare? Not really. It was pretty uncommon. Most people wanted a complete computer. They didn't want to put yeah. it together. Well, and as to this thing, who's going to tear up a Model 4 to repack a Cocoa? Well, you know, Daniel. there's something really unfortunate happened to that Model 4. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Danielle's done it. and um, Well, yeah, now, but... And I'm Stephen, actually, Stephen Esseline, or however you say his name, <coughs> has done it too with... Uh, but back in the day, that chassis was worth fixing in several different ways, you know. I actually Besides. seen one before before this and before Danielle's. I actually saw one in the early 90s. But yeah, the uh, on the Atari side of things, uh, repacking didn't become a thing until the, uh, until the uh, XEs were uh, released. And case mods were much more common. Okay, so I think it probably did happen a bit more. I mean, this wasn't, I wouldn't call this commonplace in the Cocoa either. But the fact that my local club had a person that did this exact same thing. Yeah. In a little was... town of 150,000 people. And like I said, two people did the Model 3 keyboard in the Cocoa thing where you had to cut the case surround to uh, fit it. Yeah, repacking seems to be the most common in the Amiga community. Especially, yeah. I mean, even the Amigas themselves, like the official ones, like when you got up to the 3000, the 4000, you actually had tower cases, so they were kind of already there. Yeah, but like the 1200, because people couldn't afford a 4000, they would get a, uh, a 1200 with a uh, adapter that would put slots in it, and then you'd have to repack it into a new case because the original case obviously wouldn't fit. So, but Tim Linder, if you, if you listen to this uh, later, because I haven't seen you in the chat today, <clears throat> I'd love to have you on just to talk about where you got this from and any details or stories from the person that actually made it. Um, yeah. Because it would be kind of interesting to get the history of this particular machine here. You can see all the bodge wiring there to remap the keys so they all work in the Cocoa, including the Numeric keypad, alternator <laughs> keys, etc. Not as complex as one would have thought. I would have thought it would have been done totally differently. But then I took a look at the actual... Uh, CCN article and actually it wasn't too bad in there either. So,
Pretty, pretty cool, but definitely check it out. It's a 20 minute long video. Uh, there's probably going to be a follow up. Here's the original Coco One motherboard itself, which I think is a D or an E board, judging by the looks of it. One thing That's you'll notice F. actually on there, I'm just going to yeah. pause the video. Take That's a look at the cartridge board. connection slot. It's angled 90 degrees from where it normally would be, and that was to fit it properly in the case so the disc controller would stick straight up out of it uh, as opposed to coming outside so it would fit properly. Yeah, what revision okay. what revision what? board is that? That's an F board. Those an F? That's not yep. an F. That's an F. That's an F? Oh, it is too. Yeah, you're right, because there's the 285 thing down over here. I just noticed that. That's Plus the okay. small shield and the um, the fact that the uh, keyboard connector has got the resistors above it there. Yeah, and that 285 number, serial number, or part number, whatever it is, uh, on the left there, because that was only on the F boards. I'll have to look at my F again because my F was my first my first Coco one. Yeah. So anyway, really really interesting to see the project. Really interesting to Adrian because when he opened it up, he had no idea. I guess if I understand correctly, and I wish Tim was here to kind of correct me if I'm wrong in this, but my understanding was he sent it to Adrian without explaining that there was a Coco inside here. He just said, "Here's a heavily modeled Model Three. Check it out." And. Uh, when he, at the beginning of the video, when he's cleaning off the screen, he notices that it doesn't look like a standard black and white you know, Model 3 monitor in there. And then when he takes it apart, of course, he finds that it's an actual TV set. <laughs> so, it was fun to watch his journey of exploration and figuring out exactly what the heck he had there. Next up, uh, speaking of contests, because we've mentioned a few of them here lately, <clears throat> here's another one by Jim Gary. So we covered his uh, port of the D-Doom game, which is kind of a little 3D dungeon crawl thing where you get to roll your own characters, but it also had a map editor built in so you create your own levels. So Jim's going to do a little bit of a contest, and you can download the uh, version of the game where he's designed his own five levels to go through, and your mission is to get the idol on level five, and you have to document it with a proof of uh, like a video play showing you getting the idol and winning, or a screenshot or something like that. And the first person to complete the game on the MC-10, will win the coffee mug that you see here. And I don't know what to call this coffee mug. It's like a semi-graphics guy from one of the games that he did, and, you know, walks around. It might have been Load Runner or something like that. I can't remember. But basically, you win the free coffee cup with some semi-graphics on it. And he's also got his blogs, what we covered previously, kind of the history of the game and his conversion of it. And he had to fix some bugs in the original code, et cetera, added some features, et cetera. That's so, Jim's but, um, avatar picture. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right up in the top left there. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need more coffee anyway. So anyway, if you want to want a chance to win a free cup from Jim Gary, maybe if you ask nicely, he'll autograph it for you in marker, which hopefully won't wash off in the dishwasher. But uh, that's a little contest he's got going and you can try out the five levels of the dungeon he designed himself. Next, we got some updates from Julian Brown and the Dragon Group on Facebook. So Julian, of course, is the guy who's been trying to reproduce, kind of like Pedro's done here um, in the States with the uh, Coco 1, 2, and 3, but trying to reproduce the uh, motherboard for the Dragon 32 and 64. And he's had a few prototypes come in and had some issues with them. So this is hoping the last time. I'll just zoom up here. So here he received the latest prototypes. That's the raw board. I think it's the third revision he's done so far. And that's just when he got them in. 
So he did a couple of updates. I'll show you the latest update here. We started to populate the board itself. And he's put in some of the chips, his sockets and resistors and capacitors and stuff. Uh, and he said, so near yet so far, I seem to have run out of pin headers and I need to find my stash of 4164 RAM chips. Otherwise, everything I need for most of the basic tests will pull most of the chips for the next steps, but not today. And that he just posted this morning. So he's pretty close to seeing if this latest version is actually going to function properly. If it does, I think he's planning on making this a public release, just like Pedro does with his designs, which means you can actually like pull the design down, go to a place that manufactures PCBs. I'm sure Ken and a few others can mention some certain places that might be able to do that. And uh, then you can start rebuilding motherboards uh, instead of, you know, just every time one gets cracked, you have to throw in the garbage. That's one less dragon in the world, one less scope in the world. This way we can actually start, you know, building them up again and maybe get the prices down a little bit on the actual ones. Because some people just want the functionality of an actual Cocoa or Dragon, as opposed to, you know, having to have the original hardware only. But glad to see the Dragon's getting just as much love on reproducing the motherboards as the Cocoa is. That, and that's yep. its own form of art. When you really, really look at Pedro's board or Julian's board, uh, there's some folks that do Amiga boards like that. And it's it's just without even putting all the chips on it, it's just this interesting piece of artwork. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I, one thing I like about all the modern ones, because all these modern PCB manufacturing companies let you pick the color. Like it used to be it was green or nothing, or maybe yellow if it's a really old 70s one or something like that. But now you can pick like, you know, colors that you can almost brand it for yourself or whatever. So I and they look better, honestly. The yellow is like the that, fiberglass cover. The green is when they put on the solder mask. Yeah. But I mean, like, like even if you look at the Coco SDCs, you can see different colors depending on who manufactured. You kind of tell, like, where you got it from type thing, which is cool. Next up, uh, Richard Harding is kind of the guy in the Dragon community that is trying to gather up all the original documentation um, for, you know, hardware, software, whatever. He actually made a trip on December the 8th here to the National Archive in the U.K., and you can actually see a picture of the National Archives here, a nice fancy building. And he's pulling out everything he can find on Dragon. And he's got scans that he's been putting up and going through here. So there's some pretty interesting stuff in here. So April 1982, Metoy Limited at Swansea, which is where the Dragon was originally made. Um, at 30 million pound. I'm not sure if that's their budget or what. Uh, amount unknown for development of a computer. So this is when they're first starting to, you know, conjure up the dragon basically months before it went on sale and a memorandum on dragon data itself sales info <clears throat> so this is uh units i don't know if this is for a single year exactly what this is covering but it mentions 127,500 units of the dragon 32 32,000 units of the 60 dragon 64 5,000 educational units so if this is like a yearly thing or a quarterly thing, I don't know, but assuming a year, 164,500 dragons sold. And then peripherals at 21,600 disk controllers, 23,600 disk drives, because a few people got the second drive. Uh, 350,000 cartridges were manufactured, 400,000 cassette tapes, 149,000 cassette leads, and 116,000 pairs of joysticks. So you're actually getting some firm numbers there, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And here's some information on the building rental. So when they were renting out the space to actually do the manufacturing, et cetera, and what the square footage was. Um, like in here, it says the Ken Fig one in West 
Glamorgan is uh, 50,000 square feet for Dragon Data. And here's something for Mr. Reese. He was actually addressing this to the person that was actually still active. Um, you can get some information on loans they took out, <laughs> like it's all the old business stuff. Shareholder equity, et cetera. So if you're really interested in the history of Dragon Data itself, you know, how they sold their stocks, what type of stocks they had available. Getting in a proposed extension at Kenfig, so they were trying to expand the plant. And that was in '82. Yeah. See, they just passed a milestone. Metoy went down to 49% ownership just a little bit earlier. So, yeah, Dragon yeah, it's really it's fascinating to discover this whole business history because that's something I wish we had out of Radio Shack Tandy. And when they were auctioning off a lot of this stuff there at the end, there some apparently some of the stuff was in there, but I don't know, have a clue who got it and what they what they're going to do with it. Because I'd love to know some things like, say, firm sales numbers. There's a share price rising. Some more share stuff. A rescue operation with other institutional shareholders. This is when they're starting to have problems. And Delista is a problem client. <laughs> this is when the bottom started to fall out. And then resolved for that particular run. Here's where GEC uh, looked at buying out Dragon Data, basically. Uh, likely outcome for 1983 and its business plan for 1984, but the latter is regarded as being both unrealistic and unsatisfactory. So you get to get to hear some of the inner workings of uh, trying to get things going. And here, uh, agreed announced that GEC McMichael will take over the marketing of Dragon's products. Agency has been asked to attend a further shareholders meeting to discuss an electronic writing pad project. So that was some unreleased hardware, as far as I know. But they obviously had some future plans beyond the Dragon Alpha Beta, et cetera. And here now they're listed as a major problem investment. So this is when things were really not going well. <laughs> it's kind of sad hearing that, but. Uh... Sort of like in that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Lisa was president and the uh, and uh, Bart walks in and says, "I got this, no problem." Yeah, and here's a bit of a bit too. <clears throat> and this is from '84, late mid to late '84. So the uh, Dragon Data Limited says this company has serious problems in that its home computer market seems to have dwindled, leaving the company with a warranty expense on its old 32 model, which is unquantifiable. Is hoping to enter into a manufacturing agreement with some Spanish interests and is further hoping to make a substantial export to the People's Republic of China. I don't think that ever happened, but the Spanish part definitely did because they basically kind of took over sales for a while and manufactured in, in Spain, if I remember correctly, as well. So it's really cool. He's, he's, he's doing all the research and he's spending an entire day down in the National Archives just hunting down all this stuff. It must just be a chore and a half. Uh, May 1984, the receivers are called. And then the Dragon Future Home Unit. This machine is to be developed during 1983 for a launch in early 1984. It will replace over a period of time the Dragon 32 and should incorporate the facility to link with Prestel and other TV systems together with a limited...
Well done. All right. Now, let's see here. What do we do next? Uh, uh, my cheat sheet's gone. <laughs> Leave. Yep. Yep. Why is I am the only one being able to be heard? Hmm. Can... Why is... Okay, I'm... I broke it again. That's what everyone's saying. And... Let's see. seems to be right and hmm Everything's up. Uh, one. System sound? Yeah, because my system sound is showing nothing. The button? Yeah. Raven hit the button. Bye, everybody. Uh, all right. Well, should I run the outro or no? Um, are outro. they going to hear it? <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll, I'll run the TCN promo, and then we'll say goodbye when we get back. The time has come to unite the world under one nation, an 8-bit nation, a neon green nation, the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show, coming soon. This concludes another episode of... No, where is it? Yes, there it is. All right.
everyone say goodbye, even though no one will be able to hear you. It's By the, the way, they just mentioned they actually the, heard us when you were playing the commercial when we were talking. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, we're coming okay, so just, uh, <laughs> just, just, have, just play the commercial and we'll talk over it. Yeah, no, I think we're coming over now. Hey, the, the system me. sound Lovely. thing is coming up and down. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back. Don't have a clue what you did. <laughs> Don't do whatever you did last time. DFL Dude, is my it's friend. Like we're on TV. This is what happens when we start from scratch with a new show. A, a color computer does not run this show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it should. Maybe. Uh, all right. So I guess we're going to say goodbye, everybody. Hello, goodbye, 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 everybody. 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 Remember uh, to change your channels over to Coco Nation to get ready for the show transition, and we're going to take a bit of a break after next week. So. Yep. That'll be the last one for a bit. And join us on the 30th for the uh, Glenside Reminiscing Day, where you can join in on, on Zoom and just share stories and demos. That'll be fun. Channel 4 yes. instead of Channel 3. And at 2 o'clock instead of 1 o'clock. Yep, that, that's from the new year, too. Not this next week, the new year. 2023, not 